fault lines. Live from the divided states of America in the belly of the beast here in Washington, D.C. Good morning. You are listening to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. Thank you for joining us out there on Rumble on 105.5 FM and 1390 AM here in the D.C. Metro. We are also in Kansas City at 1140 AM, 102.9 FM and 104.7 FM on that radio dial. I am the vixen of Veritas, the thriller in Manila, Chan along with guest co-host, the newly minted Atomic MAGA, conservative Malik Abdul, and Reese, I'm going to have you say your new one. Of legalese. The Vise of legalese. M. Reese Everson. This is the show that dares to go there. This is Fault Lines. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. We are almost at the end of the week. Thank we goodness are. for that Monday off. We are. We had a short week. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's pre-Friday. It is pre-Friday. <laughs> We're going to have a party. Friday party Eve. tomorrow. That's right. No, I'm I'm usually pretty wiped out by Thursdays because I, I think my body just has never adjusted to this like pre-dawn. Mm-hmm. Like it's one thing to deal with a baby. And I, I adjusted to that, like waking up every couple of hours when he was little to to feed him. But staying awake pre-dawn, it's like my body is not into that. I've, I've never, it, it's almost like every single day now, I have to take a nap when I get yes. home. I never had to take naps. Right, right. I never took naps. Okay, and now so I'm going to bed dangerous. by 11 o'clock. That's it's dangerous. dangerous. Why? No, if you take a nap, it's dangerous. I so I'm a I'm a nocturnal person. Mm-hmm. I don't normally go to bed until like two, three a.m. Oh, oh well, that's, that's really a problem. Late. Yeah, that now that's, that's really dangerous. Late. And so <laughs> I've been trying to shift my internal clock and the midian or whatever it is, and it's been like, ah, help. And so my body at three o'clock is like, well, why are we asleep? We normally are awake. What's going on? Shouldn't we get up and get go up, check Reese. the refrigerator? No, I'm There's I'm something. never up that. We I'm never be up that Netflix late. At three. No. Okay. Usually I was sleep before like last week. I was sleep maybe by midnight. Right. I never stayed right. up late, you know. Right. Midnight was usually my cutoff mark. Yeah. Because granddad told me nothing good happens after midnight. Uh-oh. Well, speaking of granddad, my grandfather would come over on Saturday mornings at 7 o'clock to have coffee with my mother Aww. and would wake us up and say that the day is, all, day is almost gone. Oh wow. At 7 o'clock in the morning. Yes. No, sir, it's not. <laughs> yep, that, that was my granddad. That was my granddad. A stiff cup of black coffee at yep. like 5 a.m. And yeah, he was an old military he man. He was up. He was up. Yeah, my so, dad. He was a he's a vet. Um, oh yeah, my well, grandfather was a vet. Military guys. So he was. Uh, he and my grandmother actually. They usually were up around four or five. Oh my word! Every oh. day. My grandparents too. Oh, and I'm. I just. I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> so bear with us. I think after about five months, um, I don't know how Jamarl does it, but I. I don't know. He's been doing this for a couple years. His body just, it works differently. He's he's well adjusted now. Yes. And so I'm like going to muddle through the headlines because, you know, Thursday, my body's like, it's tiring. Thursday is tired Thursday. (laughs) All right. Let's head over to some headlines. We got some breaking news for you right off the top here. The UK's newly elected Prime Minister Liz Truss is expected to unveil her so-called bold 
and decisive plan to tackle the hard-hitting cost-of-living crisis through Parliament promising swift action to support households and businesses struggling with soaring energy prices, according to UK media outlets. Now, Ms. Truss's plan is to tackle the cost of living. Reportedly, she's going to propose a price freeze on household bills that hit about 2,500 pounds rather than previously the about 3,500 pounds per year announced by Ofgem for the next month, according to Sky News. Then here domestically, President Biden said in a notice that he is extending a national emergency declaration on, get this, foreign interference in elections ahead of the midterms this fall. Quote, although there has been no evidence of a foreign power altering the outcomes or vote tabulation in any U.S. election, foreign powers have historically sought to exploit America's free and open political system, says the press release from Wednesday. Um, Now, if you're like me, you find that a little bit ironic, but we'll get into that later. Then former U.S. Attorney General Bill Barr believes the Department of Justice is, quote, getting very close to being able to indict former President Donald Trump, as he was talking to Fox News yesterday. Mr. Barr added that an important question to ask is whether or not they will indict a former president. Then in a Wednesday interview at the Defense News Conference, the chairman of the U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee, Senator Jack Reed, Democrat from Rhode Island, expressed uncertainty about the delivery of American aircraft to Ukraine. According to the outlet, Reed declined to support a provision that would have authorized $100 million to start training Ukrainian pilots to fly American fighter jets, at least in the House version of the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, casting doubt on whether the clause would survive negotiations with the Senate when Congress drafts the final legislation. Then over to more President Trump news. Federal agents took confidential medical records during that FBI raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate last month, according to Donald Trump. He said, not only did the FBI steal my passports in the FBI raid and break-in of my home, Mar-a-Lago, but it has just been learned through court filings that they also improperly took my complete and highly confidential medical file and history. A definite no-no. Days of the Soviet Union. That's Trump posting to his truth social media. Then over in Europe, Poland could end up in a military conflict with Russia within three to ten years, says Deputy Defense Minister Marcin Osepa told the Polish newspaper DGP in an interview published yesterday. Warsaw would need the time remaining before this supposed war to acquire as many arms as possible, he added. Quote, there is serious risk of a war with Russia. And Osepa added that the timing of this potential war depends on how the conflict in Ukraine ends. Now, according to him, it would ultimately depend on, quote, how many years Russia will need to rebuild its military potential. 
Now, he did not identify if any additional factors that could either increase or decrease the risk of conflict. Then Germany's largest gas importer, Uniper, has been struggling to replace missing Russian gas supplies as the company's losses are beginning to mount, says its CEO, Klaus-Dieter Maubach. The company might also run out of money, provided by Berlin in the form of an aid package later this month, he said. Now, amid reduced gas supplies from Russia, the which blamed Moscow on technical issues and Western sanctions, Uniper had to substitute that missing volume by buying gas at higher prices on the spot market and then reselling it to its own customers at a cheaper discounted long-term price. Now, as a result, the company reported a loss of some 12 billion euros and the U.S. dollar has now reached about parity, so that's also about 12 billion U.S. dollars. That's the biggest loss in German corporate history as early as in July, so prompting Berlin, the state, to intervene. Too big to fail, I say. Now, speaking of Germany, they have given unbelievably a lot, that's a quote, unbelievably a lot of weapons to Ukraine from its own reserves, but reached its limit and is now trying other ways to support Kiev, according to Defense Minister Christine Lambrecht on Wednesday. She said, We will keep up our our support for Ukraine, and we have handed over unbelievably a lot from the reserves of Bundeswehr. But I say at this point quite clearly that we have reached the limit. That's Ms. Lembrecht speaking at a speech in the Bundestag noting that she will make sure that the defense of the country and the alliance could be ensured in the future. Then President Biden has approved a new package of military aid to Ukraine, another one, yep, 675 million bucks, according to SecDef Lloyd Austin. Quote, yesterday, the president approved the latest tranche of U.S. assistance to Ukraine valued up to $675 million dollars. Lloyd Austin said during a press conference at Germany's Rammstein Air Base. Austin said the package includes howitzers, artillery munitions, Humvees, armored ambulances, anti-tank systems, and a lot more. Then some tech news for you. Elon Musk was prompted to, quote, slow down his buyout of Twitter because of fears the world was, and this is a quote, Heading into World War III. That's coming out of Business Insider. Private text messages were reportedly sent by Elon Musk on the 8th of May to his banker at Morgan Stanley, which was financing part of that $44 billion Twitter buyout. Quote, let's slow down just a few days. Putin's speech tomorrow is really important. It wouldn't make sense to buy Twitter if we're heading into World War III. That's Twitter's lawyer reading this out loud in a court hearing on September 6th. He says those are Elon's texts and they are currently in the process of discovery. So they'll be be reading um, the entire string when that becomes available. Then to some funny news of the day. I guess you can call it the very first Russiagate as it's being revealed. From ex-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, 
She was doing the rounds of media, you know, to promote her new show, Gutsy. She was on the Jimmy Fallon show last night, and she admits that she mistakenly left her then young daughter, Chelsea Clinton, at the Kremlin during her husband Bill's state visit. So this is going back to the 90s um, when Bill was president. Mrs. Clinton told the story in response from the host Jimmy Fallon asking for any crazy vacation stories. Now she acknowledged the experience was pretty traumatic. She claimed she and her husband had gotten caught up in the formalities of their visit with then Russian President Boris Yeltsin and had already been, quote, ushered into their limo to return to the airport. And then they realized Chelsea wasn't in the car. All right, did anybody call child services? Just asking. Um, but yeah, that, that she would have, she would have, I wouldn't be surprised if she was like the baby in a hot car mom. Just saying, <laughs> just saying. All right, this day in history. <laughs> Back in 1504, Michelangelo's David is unveiled in Piazza della Signora in Florence. Somebody put a robe on that thing. No, I'm kidding. Um, In 1945, the division of Korea begins with the United States uh, when the troops arrive to partition the southern part of Korea in response to Soviet troops occupying the northern part of the peninsula just a month later. In 1966, the landmark American science fiction television series, Star Trek, where's Jamaro when you need him? (laughs) The series Star Trek premieres the first episode called The Man Trap. You know they always had double entendres on those shows, those 1960s shows. Probably a go-go dancer came out that was an alien, but that's something we should ask tomorrow when he returns. He would know. In 1974, the Watergate scandal, U.S. President Gerald Ford signs the pardon of Richard M. Nixon for any crimes that he might have committed while in office. So just blank check. Just everything. You're, you're, you're good, my man. Then this day in 2005, two Aleutian 276 aircraft from Emercom land at a disaster aid staging area at Little Rock Air Force Base. The first time Russia has flown such a mission to North America. And that will do it for your headlines this Thursday, September the 8th. You are listening to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. Hey, Manila, do you think that uh, Joe Biden will pardon Donald Trump for any crimes he may have committed while he was in office? I'm not sure Joe Biden knows what's going on, period. I don't know if he could pardon, I don't know, an ice cream cone. (laughs) The turkey on Thanksgiving. Right? I don't know if he's capable of that. I don't know. But you know what, though? Yesterday, um, we'll talk about it right after we take a quick break because we'll have our few minutes of open mic. The Obamas. The Obamas were in the White House. This was Michelle's first visit in over five years. Barack had been there, but not Michelle. So we'll talk about why they were there yesterday uh, right after this. Sit tight. We'll be right back. You're listening to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. Fault Lines. Fault Lines. Welcome back to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. I am Manila Chan, joined with guest co-hosts Malik Abdul and M. Reese Everson. 
Uh, now, we were just teasing before that break there that the Obamas were back in the White House. I think... Um, Barry is back. <laughs> Barry, old Barry. Now, it was Michelle's first trip back, though, in over five years. Because, okay, they were there to unveil their official portraits that will decorate the halls of the White House along with, you know, all the other presidents of past. That was supposed to happen under Donald Trump, but it did not happen. But it never happened, right? Donald Trump did not invite. Petty boots. Yep. That is petty. King of ultra petty. That was petty. Yes, but are we shocked? No. That Donald Trump didn't invite the Obamas to do And I don't think that they wanted to go. I don't don't think they would have even... And the Obamas supposedly didn't want to go. Wanting to go and tradition of what's presidential are two different things, and they would have gone if the invitation had been extended because it was presidential. And I'm starting to... I mean, one of the issues that I would say I have with Donald Trump is that there's certain things that that people in America like to see, and it's just pump and circumstance and procedure. collegiality. and, And just... Just the way things should be done. We should be above the pettiness in certain. <laughs> Not those days are over. In certain <laughs> spaces, the petty needs to be set aside, and that would be one of them. Yeah, the, well, those yeah. days are over. I don't have any expectation that Donald Trump will not be the king of petty. But I remember the story <laughs> when Donald, when Barack Obama uh, came. I forgot when it was. Sometime this year, and I don't know if you remember the videos of video footage of Joe Biden kind of wandering aimlessly while everybody was praising, oh, Obama. Obama. Oh, they loved Obama. And he's tapping Barack Obama on the shoulder. And Barack Obama never turns around. Like that, you're talking about embarrassing. I know. That was real. That was just a couple of months ago. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you're the new president. Right. I'm still Barack. And nobody was paying attention. But apparently there is some tension between the Biden and Obama camp because of these type of very things. Um, because of I, that kind of pettiness? Well, not just petty from because he overshadows, and, yes. and it's just a natural thing. Right, I right, mean, not even intentional. Yeah, when right. you have somebody who's who can Enigmatic. easily recede to a basement. Love him uh, or hate him, Barack yeah. Obama walks Enigmatic. in and takes up all the air in the room. Yeah. Absolutely. And then you yeah, have someone. It's a Leo thing. It's a Leo thing. Like I Joe Biden, a little more feeble, right. trying to find his space. I mean, they said Bill Clinton had the same magnetism to him right and, and it's not something and everybody has it's not something i would even say donald trump has that same sort of magnetism whether or not you like he's him just a rock star though yeah. people like but he's I mean, been that like he's him. been that before he was yes. president so when you yes. had everybody wanting to you know al sharpton and jesse jackson and oprah and winfrey and he the was rappers in multiple rap songs oh, yes. so he has that personality but it was hilarious just watch you know it was a little different and i and i i forgot what the quote was this time around barack obama when he started started off, he said something complimentary of Joe Biden, yeah. something like, you know, aren't we glad we have Joe Biden as president? That was, there the was, a, there was a pregnant pause. That was the applause line. And though. no one. It was it was a pause. And then they started clapping like it's so it was the cue. awkward. Wink, wink, not nod and smile and clap people. He gave him his flowers. He I gave know. him his flowers. And then they kind of had to think about, well, should I clap for this? <laughs> Well, of course you should clap. That that's the whole purpose. Um, I'm the 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 paintings, the portraits themselves. I'm much more like Michelle's than I do Obama's. Absolutely. The last I, time I like around, both of them actually. The last time around, the ones that were at the National Portrait Gallery that got all those of those are funky. Yeah. I did not so like those. I did not like 
um, Michelle's. They didn't do right but by her. Barack mm. Obama's was <laughs> okay. Yeah. But yeah, but those were supposed to be artsy. Yeah. So when you go, those that are in the National Portrait Gallery, you know, they're supposed to kind of have that sort of element to it. Um, the ones in the White House are the official. Right. Yeah. But the I ones didn't that stay necess- at the White House. Right. I didn't like Obama's because it was just him, like in a like a green screen. It was a just white a white background. realism. Like it was, it was just human- that. It looked yeah. like a photo, though. It was. Yeah. Th- yeah. That's what it looked like. I mean, I think that was the whole point, which is kind of different than like a other. Portrait. Yes. Yeah. Than if the you other look at Hillary past, Clinton's, if you look like at a um, if, like if you've been for those who haven't <laughs> yes. been in the White House, you know, you see the the pictures of um, the portraits of John Kennedy. They've got background. They've got color. Abraham Lincoln. They're standing. They don't on, look like something. a photo. Right. Like it looks Barack like Obama looks right. like a photo. That's what I think is kind of cool. Polaroid. I think it's kind of cool. Like, bruh, bruh. I could have actually. You could have had me no. do that. I think it's pretty cool that he went that route, like a real realism, like real. Like it looks. Is that what it is? We're, okay, so we're calling it realism. No, that, it's, it, it's poorly not, done. I'm <laughs> like, I'm going with you. It's poorly done. But I'm I do not appreciate, an Obama fan, but well, I like the picture. He, you know what? I love the sappiness. Okay, so you've got this Leo, Oh, you like the whole thing, yeah. And he's, he's like the true Leo. When he's on the scene, he knows that he's got to like love on, you know, Michelle. And so he's like, oh, I just, everything about her, it captures everything I love about her, about how fine she is. How fine. He called her fine. Well, if you think about Barack Obama, just their history in general, you know, and it's a little different in places. That's goopy. Yeah. It's it's a little different with like Hillary and Bill Clinton, but Barack, in Barack and Michelle's case, there wouldn't be a Barack Obama if if Michelle was not there. You know, it's a little different than Bill and Hillary Clinton. Oh, no, it's like, the oh complete opposite, for sure. Yeah. Oh, my God, like, yeah. Michelle Obama brought him to the... Well, he was already there, but she essentially introduced him to his... Bait. I don't well, want to say black side, but uh, I'll say black side. It's like, credibility. That's what she did. She, look, look, she look. allowed for credibility to be present. Well, look, here's the thing. If you compare the Clintons versus the Obamas, and after the whole you know, Monica scandal and Hillary tried to do the whole Tammy Wynette stand by your man type of thing. It, it no nobody bought that, right? Nobody bought that. Nobody was like, oh, she's what a what a woman, what a wife. She's up there. She got her man's back. Nobody thought that. Everyone's like, ooh. However, with Michelle, when she puts up the I'm gonna defend my man, like she does the Tammy Wynette, people believe it. Right. People right. buy it. Yeah. Because she's likable. Yeah, she's much she's just much more likable. It's beyond that though, guys. Okay, so here's the distinction. You have someone who Bill built Bill. Okay. Bill made Bill. Yeah. Nobody made Bill but Bill. Hillary literally ascended every step of her career in lockstep with Bill Clinton. Every time when he became governor, she got a position at the firm. When he became, um, when he went to the like White they House, were a duo. she became yeah, yeah. a partner. You know, everything that, no, 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 I'm not saying that. Everything that he did, she benefited from right. and repositioned herself because of the of the work that he did. Yes. Well, I don't, I don't 
don't know. I, I don't agree with that. I don't think Hillary Clinton, and, and obviously as the first lady of Arkansas, I mean, if your husband is the <laughs> governor, you will benefit from that. I think Hillary Clinton, had Bill Clinton not existed, Hillary Clinton would have ascended on so? up. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I think she, she would no. still be, she'd be she a was, lawyer in she's Arkansas She's an extremely right now. smart woman, if, if and she was that. an extremely smart woman before she met Bill Clinton. She's capable. They were and, a union no. in the ways that we typically don't see. No. You know, I'm not going to take away from her accomplishments as, you know, a, a scholar and whatever. Like, she's she's got a lot of, uh, of great uh, bona fides behind her. Yeah. But I don't think she would have risen, like Reese said, to as to as high as she did, becoming a senator, and much less well, that the was because she was first lady. State. Yeah, she would never. No, uh, if you look at Hillary Clinton in a vacuum, who she is, right? Just forget, forget that she, this is Hillary Rodham. Mm-hmm. She would be a divorcee, probably twice divorced in Arkansas, running her own. I would say her own law firm, and that you know probably very successful. Probably, but she would probably be one of these, you know, multiple divorce, like career driven, um, probably just the one. She's not Condoleezza Rice. Who you, the I person I think that you're referencing, Malik, is a Condoleezza Rice. No. And Hillary is They just had, they had different, well, for, for me, like Condoleezza Rice is my girl. Like that is, no <laughs> one compares to Condoleezza Rice. I absolutely, she is my favorite She's a public personality. Ever, really? ever, ever. I am. I adore Condoleezza Rice. I wish that she would run for president. She has oh, no interest in doing none. it. And she actually, probably has much more interest so in being much about the Hillary. That's how I know so much about Hillary. There's a book called Condi versus Hillary, the next presidential race. I remember that. But it was very insightful. You got to learn about them as women. Yeah, but think about it this way. And, and, and here, like, I'm the guy saying this. So what... In what relationship where a woman whose husband is the first, I mean, is the governor of a state, then he becomes president of the United States, she's always, it will always be assumed that anything she does, she does it on the back of her husband. Unless you're Michelle because Obama. Of the position. Unless well, you're Michelle, Michelle Obama, Obama and you're a partner at the firm when he gets But she it. hasn't, like Michelle, like Hillary wanted to be political. Michelle has no interest in politics at all. She was successful she had more money than Barack Obama the did when they he first was a met. Yeah. And, and for well, the, the large five part minutes of their that he was a senator. Yeah, the, the five minutes. Yes, he absolutely was. But Barack you know, Obama but Michelle Obama just did not. That's why minutes. I think Claire in um, Claire in Huffington. Francis um, House of Cards. Oh, oh, yes. That's a political like union that I they have. Like Michelle Obama Clinton. and Barack. They aren't a political union. Because Michelle has no yeah, interest in politics. but they were yin and yang. Yin and yang, and Michelle really helped Barack's oh, image. Oh, absolutely. Because she was like, she was She was from as, the South Side. She was, she was viewed as the fun mom, the, the approachable first lady. Yeah. She kind of, I mean, there was a little bit of, of pomp and class about her, but at the same time, she was She was very, down. She was like, she can homegirl, go on Ellen Michelle. and do the centipede. Yes, mm. like she's a homegirl Michelle. Yeah. So that, you know, in many ways... That relatable. Could, relatable. The distinction here that is could that win her you an could office. see through Hillary's entitlement and her planning when she stuck with Bill. It's like, I deserve this and you're yes. not going to take this from me. I've worked too hard to get here. And so because you've screwed up, 
I've got to come out here and save face and I'm doing it to save face. And so the intent was different. It wasn't I'm protecting my husband. It's I'm protecting my future image and what I don't have a problem with that. Hillary Clinton said, what do you want me to do? Bake cookies? Because that is what the perception was of first ladies. And I was I'm okay with to that degree. But, you know, in hindsight, and, and now the funny story of the day of her leaving Chelsea, yeah. Chelsea at the Kremlin like that, it just makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. It makes a lot of sense that she would have done that. And yes, I'm going to put this on Bill too. You too, Bill, because you're still dad. We're, neither of you were like, our, our, my first priority should be my kid. If you right. have a baby for public appearances because it, it's what completes the image. Right then it's not the same as having a child because you want to be a mom. Sorry. Like, where's she my kid? wanted to be a mom. She didn't, yeah. It just, it works for the it image. It completes the political it works, image. It works for the image. So I can't believe I'm being softer kid? on Hillary Clinton. Yes, I know. <laughs> as the two, women, the two w- women yeah, that are I'm, being hard on Hillary. Because it, I feel like she, she really um, wanted to work double overtime to disprove the idea of what a woman quote should be, and I understand it, and and that's she I was think not she, June Cleaver. She overcorrected is all I'm saying, and that's why she comes off uh, unlikable. I don't know what her portrait looks like. I know she, I heard she was in a pantsuit. I don't remember. We got to look that up. Uh, but let's take a quick break because when we return, we're going to talk about more politics, maybe some more Clintons, maybe some more Obamas, but definitely a lot on the Trumps. Uh, We'll be talking with our buddy Ted Rawl. Uh, I'm sure he's got a lot to say, um, and he cracks me up. He's one of my favorite guys to come on regularly here on Fault Lines. So sit tight. We'll be right back. You are listening to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. Fault Lines. Fault Lines. Welcome back to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. I am Manila Chan, sitting with guest co-host this week, Malik Abdul and M. Reese Everson. We are being joined now by our first guest of the day, a friend of the show, Ted Rawl. Ted is a political cartoonist and syndicated columnist. You can follow Ted on Twitter at Ted Rawl. That's R-A-L-L. Read and read his stuff and check out his cartoons and articles at rawl.com. Com, R-A-L-L. Good morning, Ted Rawl. Uh, I'm sure you were watching the Obamas at the White House yesterday, right? Uh, yeah, all over it. Eh, not really, but I read about it. <laughs> so you didn't see, you didn't see that the Obamas, well, this time at least Barack acknowledged the existence of Joe Biden. That's, uh, has he been ignoring that Joe Biden exists? Yeah. Did you not know? The last time, I forget what he, what Barack was at the White House for. The anniversary of ACE, the signing of the ACA or something Right, like that. right. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. He totally, there are oh, yeah. pictures after the speech. I remember yeah, that. that. Yeah. That mm-hmm. Biden is tapping on his shoulder like, hey, Barack, <laughs> hey, Barack. And you could see his mouth visibly moving saying, hey, Barack. And Obama's over there mingling with everybody. Everybody's clamored around him. This time, it was a little more cordial, I believe. And this was Michelle Obama's first time back to the White House since they left office and Trump took over because President Trump did not invite the Obamas to put up their portraits. So yesterday was a very, very late unveiling of the portraits. First, what do you think about that? I mean, 
I'm not surprised Trump was petty. Trump was petty. Uh, you know, what surprised me is that what Trump does understand is status and power and big-dogging. And he he missed an opportunity there. Uh, you know, when he was a sitting president, and he had he would have had uh, he would have been able to host former President Trump, I mean, sorry, Obama. That to him, that would have been that he would have been the big guy. He would have been the mm-hmm. boss, the Big Mac. It would have made him look good. And so, to me, that was the part. You know, his pettiness got in the way of you know a, a bigger chance to look petty. I mean, I don't know. It just it was just very. <laughs> you know, I, to me, it was like a. You know, I mean, we all make mistakes. Uh, and, you know, even when we're in a field that we're a specialist at, and I thought that was, you know, a missed opportunity for Trump, who <laughs> I, I think is a lot smarter than most people think. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I hadn't thought about that, about it that way, but I guess you're right. He really missed an opportunity to out big dog Barack Obama. But, you know, he's, I think his pettiness is going to win. Now, on to President Trump. The pettiness he is spewing on Truth Social about this ongoing, you know, FBI investigation at Mar-a-Lago. Now he's talking about how, oh, they took my privileged medical information. This is, you know, private and this is secure and what have you. Now, I, again, I don't know what world we're living in that I'm defending Donald Trump, but given that the... New York Times and the Washington Post, within like five minutes of the raid, had leaks of what was happening at Mar-a-Lago. And given their five, six-year history of pushing this bogus Russiagate narrative for years, right, with like bogus information, bogus details, I guess President Trump does have grounds to be worried that his personal privileged information could get loose. I mean, do you think that's it's a valid concern? Look, uh, you know, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. And, you know, the mainstream media is out to get him. The deep state is out to get him. Um, and so he has very, I mean, there's been all sorts of things that have happened to him that would not have happened to anyone else, a, a former sitting, pre- a former president uh, or any, you know, former official um, you know, I mean, I was thinking today about Steve Bannon is going to turn himself in today, uh, you know, for stuff that, you know, if he hadn't been Steve Bannon, if he hadn't worked for Trump, would he be facing these charges? No. Uh, you know, I mean, so it's political. And, uh, you know, you can call it prosecutorial discretion. In the case of uh, Trump's medical records, does he have cause to be concerned? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's mind boggling. The FBI was in Mar-a-Lago all day long from early in the morning until dinner time. And they, you know, the the stuff that they came out of makes it look like they ran in there for eight minutes, scooped everything up like one of those old TV shows where, you know, you could fill up the shopping basket and uh, you had five oh, minutes yes, to get everything out. Oh, you can. Yeah. And, and that they didn't, you know, we'll, we'll grab everything and we'll sort it out later. Uh, you know, and, but, but they grabbed his passport. You know, I mean, like, Why? I mean, it's kind of like someone just said, oh, hey, uh, hey boss, it's, the pa- it's, it's Trump's passport. Should we take it? No. Why? We don't need that. We don't have a warrant for that. Right. Like, what are you doing? So they took all, you know, the exactly. medical, they don't need Trump's re- medical records. So, I mean, it, again, they weren't in there for eight minutes. They were in there all day. They right. were there, you know, so they're, they, they have a specifically worded warrant uh, that they clearly exceeded. So is Trump right? Yeah, he's right. 
But Ted, you... that's what's not making sense to me because if you know anything about the FBI, you know that that's not how they operate. Like the feds are, at least I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for anyone I've never ever known or seen who was under federal investigation. The investigation happens a whole year before they even come meet with you. I mean, even if you, uh, what's my favorite guy, the Wolf of Wall Street, the the feds have been watching the man for a year. If you've never experienced it or seen it up close, they've watched this person. They've listened to, I mean, even the Notorious B.I.G., all you have to do is listen to a rap song, and he says, federal agents mad because I'm flagrant, tap my cell and the phone in the basement. Everyone who knows about the feds know that they already have everything that they need to indict you by the time you actually see them in person. And so here's my issue. If you decided that you were going to do a search, you already knew the feds should have known what they were going in there to get. And once they got it, they walk out and go, okay, here's our indictment. The fact that they didn't and 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 don't have not just an indictment, but an arrest is making it look less than of substance. It's less making credible. It, it, it less credible. It now looks like a witch hunt. It now looks like it's just for political posturing or to make him appear guilty in the court of public opinion and to us just basically have him sit close enough to guilt so that it just rubs off. Well, it definitely damages the FBI. And that's not I don't I don't I don't expect them to behave at such a low level of just professionalism. I don't Lack of, you know, of, of how they run their ship. I expect more. Am I wrong to expect more? Has the FBI gone down or something? I mean, what's going on here? Well, we have to, you know, we only have the evidence of this behavior. And uh, yeah, I, look, I agree with you. I expected a more professional, uh, you know, be, uh, comportment myself. Although my personal experience is not, I wasn't that impressed. Uh, when I was in, when I went to college, they had just started requiring draft registration, and I was a big lefty, and I refused to uh, register. So two FBI agents came to my mother's house in Ohio looking for what? me. What? Uh, and, you know, it was it was a serious business at the time. It was five years in prison uh, plus $10,000 fine. Seriously? For, for, for not registering for Jimmy Carter's draft registration, which uh, this was under Reagan. So, and I, yeah, I had a friend of mine, a classmate, who ended up being sent to prison. So it was serious. <gasps> and t- anyway, so so two G men show up at my in the suburbs of Dayton, Ohio, looking for Ted Rawl, and they and you know it was hilarious. My mom basically, uh, you know, <laughs> having grown up in Nazi occupied Europe, sent them away and was like, you know, you can arrest me. I'm not telling you anything about where my son is. Um, but <laughs> the point is, here's the funny part. They couldn't find me. I mean, I was, you know, I had just turned 18. Probably I had gone to college. How hard would it have been to just go down and ask my guidance counselor at the high school where I went? I was like, you guys are federal agents? I mean, you're not that smart. I, you know, I'm hiding in plain sight. Wow. I wasn't exactly like, uh, you know, River Phoenix and running on empty. I mean, what? So <laughs> it was just very strange. Yeah. Hey, hey, Ted, thanks for joining us. It's Malik here. Now, call me the cynic on the panel here today because I'm not surprised that this is what the FBI does. You know, keep in mind, J. Edgar Hoover. I mean, do we need to talk about him at all? The in the um, 
and MLK, Black Panthers. You can go down the list of things where the FBI was manufacturing evidence, spying on Americans. Even the 2000, well, the Mueller investigation, that started because of a fake dossier. Things that were saying that Donald Trump was having, had sex, was creating sex tapes at hotels in <laughs> Moscow. Pee-pee tapes. And that he had all of these business dealings in Moscow. This same FBI, this same FBI took that information and launched a two-year investigation into Donald Trump based on things that we now know that many of us assumed at the time, but that we now know was yeah. the fake news that Donald Trump said it was. So this doesn't surprise me that the FBI, I'm not surprised that the FBI didn't have a slam dunk case when they went down to Mar-a-Lago because apparently they had free reign over the entire property. If you listen to Donald Trump, not only did they rummage through Melania Trump, Jean Vinchet and all of these different- Is that her panty drawer? Yeah, it, it not only did they do that, they rummaged apparently through um, the sun, Barron's. Barron's stuff. Th yeah. stuff. So this doesn't surprise me. And I think especially when we're talking about Donald Trump, all of the norms, whether like Donald Trump or not, the, the way that he has been treated, it, it, you know, people, when Barack Obama was president, they made a point to say, well, even if you don't like Barack Obama, you have to respect the office yes. of the presidency. Well, that was abandoned when Donald Trump came into office. So it was anything. Impeach him if you want to. You know, investigate him if you want to. Create a, a two-year investigation that went on and on and on. And the only thing that we got out of it is a T-shirt. And so I don't I'm not surprised that this is what the FBI has done at all. So, you know, call me a cynic or whatever you want to call me. But I'm jaded when it comes to the FBI, particularly in the era of Donald Trump. And let's not even get started on Hunter Biden. Yeah, but, but Ted, um, I, I would blame mainstream media. I would blame The New York Times. I would blame The Washington Post, even pre Jeff Bezos for the the ascension or, or the lionization of the Bureau, right, of saying this is such a fantastic um, agency and this is what law enforcement looks like. I mean, wouldn't you place some blame on the media itself about why the FBI can act so flagrantly? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think so. You know, I, I, I think I'm older than you guys, and I remember the church hearings of the late 1970s when all of these three-letter agencies, right, particularly the CIA, but also the FBI, were really widely discredited in the minds of the public, both Democrats and Republicans alike. And over the past uh, four decades, things have really, they, you know, have really changed to the point where, you know, after 9-11, we had like the Europeans to the glorious Port Authority police officers. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was just, it's gotten to be ridiculous. And, um, you know, the intelligence community, how could you possibly say anything bad about our patriotic, noble? I mean, you know, you always have to be skeptical when any group in society, particularly government uh, employees, are elevated like that. I mean, it's not a sign of a vibrant democracy. And I agree with what Malik had to say here. I mean, it's the the treatment of Trump, uh, even if you take this investigation to its logical conclusion, to me, is it, it's excessive and I think it goes above and beyond. Let's just say for the sake of argument that uh, Trump really did take, uh, you know, like nuclear launch codes and, uh, you know, stuff that really is <laughs> highly top, you know, highly classified 
stuff that you know just you just can't have uh, turn up in foreign hands, right? Um, and it, and, it, and that and that he resisted turning them over, uh, and that he was uh, dithering and and stalling and all that stuff. I still wouldn't have sent eight federal agents to his private home to raid his house. Uh, you know, you there's other ways to apply pressure. Um, you certainly could. I mean, for example, if the if the former president was dithering, they could have called him in New York and said, you know, Mr. President, we've had enough. We're waiting, and we're literally outside the gate of Mar-a-Lago right now. It's five thirty in the morning. We don't want to go in. Please send someone out with these documents. Stop. You know, just don't make us do this. Um, right. And uh, there were, and they didn't do that, right? They acted like they were going to come in and. and bust into a crack house with like a battery ram. Um, you know, I mean, what the hell? I mean, in the end, these are papers. In the end, this is the former president of the United States. And I think, you know, that's all being lost here. And, you know, the idea that uh, Donald Trump represents this, you know, grave and present danger to the security of the United States and to democracy in general is kind of belied by the fact that regardless of everything that happened, he served for four years. And we're still here, and so is the, and so is American democracy, such as it was. So, and it's, a, know, it's let's be serious. It's a very good point that yeah, it's a very good point that you made about him being a threat to democracy. Remember, Dick shoot him in the face. Cheney came out and defending his wife's. I mean, defending um, Liz Cheney called Donald Trump literally. The, I think the greatest threat to democracy in American history. So these type of things literally have been happening. But keep in mind. I think the the judge initially signed off on the warrant because this was such a this was such a threat to our national security that it required the raid. The judge signed off on it that Friday. They didn't raid him until Monday. So if it was such a threat, I mean, and oh, I don't know, you know, I'm not an attorney. It? Yeah, they sat on it. They they she it was signed off on that Friday. They didn't go in until that oh. Monday. Now, if I know that somebody is a hostage or there are some sort of drug crimes or something and a, I get a judge to sign off on it, I would think you go in that day. You don't wait Several right. days. You have your teams ready. You don't delay it to say, okay, well, you know, we got time. Well, what you know, are we going to do? What's Let's go have a couple of drinks over the weekend. Figure and then on Monday morning, early Monday morning, we'll actually go in. And then you have a media literally debating semantics saying, well, it wasn't really a raid because they had a warrant. It was a raid. It's still a raid. It's the, A raid is a small, raid is a raid. R, but still. You know. with, 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 I think, what, 15 to 15 or 20 or so agents? That's not just a regular guy coming in and say, well, let's have a conversation about something. Hand over the papers. We're here. Yeah. Like, so but here's the thing, Ted. Other presidents have, and non-presidents, because I'm going to include Hillary Clinton in there, other officials, other government officials, it is no secret. It is, it's an open secret here in the district, in Washington. It is no secret to anybody that lives here, works here, or understands anything about politics that Everybody, when they leave their official capacity, walks out with a number of things that they shouldn't walk out with, right? We know, and for example, Hillary Clinton, you know, we're in a digital time. She walked out with 33,000 emails, right, in a digital format, some that were very highly, highly classified, no prosecution. And Hillary Clinton bore no uh, authority to declassify 
any of those things. And we know that Barack Obama walked out with a number of things and the National Archives came knocking at his door. And I guess, you know, he probably cooperated. Maybe they gave him some photocopies of things that he wanted or whatever. But nobody made a stink about it. We know that Joe Biden as VP, we know about this because of of his son Hunter's laptop. We know that Joe Biden walked out of the VP's office with a number of classified items because Hunter had them in his laptop. Where are any of those prosecutions or any even attempt? And now you have Bill Barr saying, oh, on Fox News yesterday, saying, oh, well, I think they're very close to an indictment. Based on what? Because we don't have he, he any got, of that he got homies. He got homies at the DOJ. <laughs> and see, now it's starting to look like they're waiting until we get closer to the midterm elections. I, know. I don't know. What, what do you think about that, Ted? I mean, how do you—I mean, to Malik's point, this is, you know, you cannot compare how Donald Trump has been treated both in the court of public opinion as well as these federal agencies and how, you know, they've treated any other public official— high-ranking official here in the district. No, you really can't. And it really seems like, you know, they're, they're throwing a lot. It, look, there was a, this raid that was a fishing expedition. Uh, and there's the charges themselves, right? I mean, if, you're, if you hate Donald Trump, what's the number one thing you hate him for? Probably January 6th. Um, you know, what's the number two thing you hate him for? Probably lying about having won the, the election. Um, and, you know, so there's there's this long list of things that he's done. There's also, you know, all the racist stuff that he posted on, on social media, um, you know, the, in go back to your pushing country. for violence at his rallies uh, against, uh, you know, hecklers. I mean, he did a lot of stuff that's really bad. And this, you know, let's just say, again, stip, for the sake of argument, let's just stipulate that he's guilty as implied. Uh, this ranks like number 27th on that list. This is like going after Al Capone for tax evasion. And it, it, it's not <laughs> good politics. And every prosecution and investigation is political, especially when it involves the former president of the United States. So, I mean, it just seems like this hasn't been well thought out. If they go ahead and indict him, which is just going to, I mean, it's going to shock me. And I'm not, I don't shock easily. But this is just, to me, will be insane. If they do... Uh, indict him for this. It's only going to help him. I think it's going to energize his base. It almost guarantees that he'll win in uh, the you know re-election. And Ted, to that point, I've actually started because I've been critical of Donald Trump, um, even though I voted for him twice and probably would to vote for him again. But now this week, I've actually been using I refer to myself as atomic MAGA because I am the person that you're speaking of when you say it's only going to embolden him and help him. But I think it's something that, you know, our audience needs to know, and I'm pretty sure you do, too, that. This whole idea of Donald Trump taking these documents. So it wasn't like it was Melania and Barron and, you know, Ivanka um, boxing these, you know, this stuff. GSA, the General Service Administration, actually are the ones who box all of this stuff and prepare to go, which means that there is a record. They, they create a record of what the documents are. They aren't just randomly going through boxes and just throwing everything in it. So that means that the FBI 
had evidence. They knew what were in the boxes, even the things that he wasn't supposed to take. Even they had a record of those actual things. It isn't like in August they just figured out, oh, well, he has these documents and we didn't know. I refuse to believe that the federal government doesn't have a paper trail. And even in reference to the, you know, the idea that Donald Trump just, you know, had a standing declassification order. There should be a record of that. By, uh, but ironically, we're, those leaks aren't coming out. We're not seeing any of the leaks of the verification of either him having or not having the standing declassification order or a record saying, OK, well, we know that these are the things that Donald Trump actually took, that GSA actually boxed itself. There are no leaks about that. That's, and it doesn't surprise me. That is true. Yeah, it's been very selective. Right. I mean, so. The thing is, Donald Trump and, and Republicans in general really uh, love to campaign and, uh, and, and motivate based on a sense of, uh, of grievance. And, uh, Oppression, and yeah. the thing is, man, this completely feeds into their narrative 100 percent. I mean, it's almost like, you know, it's, you could almost say it's like uh, master jujitsu, right? It's like it's like maybe Trump. He's pulling the strings behind this investigation. You know, it's kind of like he's like, uh, you know, the Pink Panther movies where the guy, you know, the detective (laughs) hires someone to attack him to make him to keep him sharp. Uh, You know, it's uh, you know, it's it's like maybe it's I mean, obviously that can't be true. But, um, you know, it it, Donald Trump could not have asked for a bigger gift. It's, It's got a big pink bow on top. It is. It's worth like a good solid four to six points in the polls, uh, you know, on election day of 2024. I mean, it's beautiful for him. He's he's got to love it. Because here's the question: If if you indicted the president of, I mean, if you, I'm sorry, if you did a search and 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 sent the, did a green light, if you green lighted a search on his home, you had to know. That if you found some, that you you expected to find something that would lead to an indictment, and if there is no intent here to indict and move forward with an actual criminal charge, then yes, this is absolutely the biggest gift wrapped with a bow. Yeah, but is there any chance of that, guys? Of them, this investigation turning up literally a big nothing burger, just like RussiaGate? Is there a chance of that, Ted? I um I I think it's very. Here's the thing. It's a, it's a technicality no matter what, right? So I think they can nail him on the technicality in the same way that if the IRS audits you, they can, um, you know, unless you're like, you know, the simplest, uh, you only have one source of income and you don't own any property. But if you have complicated taxes, they, they, they can and will uh, catch you evading taxes somehow, uh, even if you meant well. Um, it's like that. I think, you know, in this particular uh, National Records Act thing, uh, you know, they could definitely find that he took classified information that he did not declassify properly and should not have taken, and therefore he's in violation of the act. They can do that uh, for sure. I think it would be hard for them not to be able to find something. But the question is, how will it be assessed in the court of public opinion, even among liberal partisan Democrats who are out to get Donald Trump? In the back of their minds, are they going to be like, yeah, this is some weak tea, you know, Th- that's the that's the real yeah. question. And and to that, I just a final point, um, you know, I and I always remind people that we don't know 
anything. The only thing where we're even the conversation that we're having is based on leaks from we're assuming the DOJ. We don't know what the actual um, you know charges or whatever in the affidavit because it was you know pretty blanked out. We literally don't know. So we're having conversations pretty much in the dark about it and don't have any of the facts because the FBI, for valid reasons, they're not sharing certain things, but they're leaking. All of everything it's selective else to the, leaks. Yeah, it's, it's the selective, selective leaks. leaks. But Ted, last thing here about the the FBI and their I don't know, I feel like it's a marriage of convenience between the FBI and the media, I think as of late. Um, what do you make of this? I mean, can we continue? I personally not me, but I mean, can can America literally really take the WAPO and New York Times seriously when it comes to this stuff about Trump after five, six years of bogus Russiagate hoax? Well, I mean, should we? No. Um, But do a lot of people still believe in their democracy dies in darkness uh, BS? Sure. I think most most people who uh, are sort of what I would call corporate Democrats, mainstream voters, uh, take these kind of media sources seriously. They shouldn't. I mean, you know, we all know that the Russiagate stuff has been repeatedly debunked. uh, But you know, how many people, how many of your friends know that when you tell them? Because, you know, very few people read beyond the deadline, the, the headlines, and yeah. very few people, uh, and not to mention, this stuff's not being covered widely. It's like the Hunter laptop stuff. Um, you know, you have to read the New York Post, you have to watch Fox to, to get these stories. And, uh, and, you know, and if you do, people, oh, they roll their eyes. Oh, the New York Post, like, you know, you can't read yeah. the New York Post. It's like, well, have you tried yeah. reading the New York Post? You know, it's like it is a real newspaper. Yeah, oldest paper, oldest paper in history. Uh, Ted Rawl, we'll leave that right there. Thank you so much for your time. Ted Rawl is a political cartoonist and syndicated columnist. Follow him on Twitter at Ted Rawl and go to Rawl.com, R-A-L-L, to check out his work. Thank you, Ted. That's going to do it for our first hour on Fault Lines here on Radio Sputnik. I am Manila Chan, back in just a moment with Malik Abdul and M. Reese Everson. Sit tight. See you after the break. Fault Lines. Fault Lines. We are live from the divided states of America in the belly of the beast in Washington, D.C. Good morning. You are listening to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. Thank you for joining us on Rumble 105.5 FM and 1390 AM in the D.C. Metro. We are also in Kansas City at 1140 AM, 102.9 FM, and 104.7 FM on your radio dial. I am the Atomic MAGA, along in my studio with host, the vixen of Veritas, the thriller in Manila, Chan, and my fellow guest co-host, Miss M. Reese Everson, and I forgot her Hashtag. 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 Vs of legalese. Vs of legalese. Well, Reese. the Vs of legalese, and this is the show that dares to go there. This is Fault Lines. Well, Ted Rawl, you know, usually is, um, he's left-ish, left-leaning. Um, he's usually a little, you know, more to the left. But th- this is a weird world if... All of us are kind of in consensus that 
what is happening to Donald Trump is, is, I'm going to use Jamal's word, astonishing. Yes. I yes. think people are just like settling into the idea, you know, some, as many people, I mean, we can repeat it until our, you know, head falls off. Yes. There are many problems with Donald Trump. Yes. We oh, yes. can just continue to repeat that. But I think just people are starting to say, mm, this smells a little fishy. It's a bridge too far. Yeah, it I smells fishy. And the media doesn't want to acknowledge that, you know, because they're playing on the side of, well, all of these things are warranted. They're talking about espionage and where we initially... Well, right now it's the nuclear nuclear stuff the about... nuclear codes. Uh, but this isn't our nuclear codes, as right. the leaks are now coming out to say, that it's about... Um, somebody, another country, a foreign country's nuclear assets or nuclear capabilities. But it's like, okay. And see, I don't, and you know, I'm probably being a little flippant about it, but I would just think, wouldn't those things change? Like, do they just, uh, do the codes? Code, I mean, are the like codes? It's like code of your ATM card. Like, is it just <laughs> permanent? Like, you never change the codes, especially when another president comes in? You just keep the same I don't, codes? You're right. That's a good question. They should be changed Somebody's got to know. Because, some, I mean, some if you got to change your staff. password to Gmail. Right. Like, literally, you know they'll I mean? tell you, it's time to change right. your password. Right. It's they been 120 days since you've, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. If the man is guilty of espionage, lead him out in handcuffs. If he is a treasonist, lead him out in handcuffs. Do not keep wasting my time with you investigating right? and looking at documents. Either he is in possession of stuff and was trying to sell it and you were watching and listening and you had tapped his phone and you knew what he was up to, or this is a witch hunt and you are wasting right. my time. It is a poop or get off the pot moment. And, <laughs> and as we are learning new words this week from Reese, uh, the Vs of, of legally. legally. See, that's that was a new word that that uh, Malik and I have just learned from, from I was going to say Jamarl, sorry, from Reese. I learned new words from Jamarl too because he likes using Jeopardy words. Um, but Vs. I'm going to share a Russian word and I checked with the boss to make sure I can say this. Kakashka. Do you guys know what that is? I do not know. Kakashka is is kind of like a kiddish, a child's uh, word for for the sh word. Oh, like kaka. Oh wow. Well, on it's that a poop. note, it's a turd. <laughs> so this is a big kakashka burger. Well, so, um, in Spanish is kaka, I think. It is kaka. It's okay. Spanish, so it's like kids saying poop, right? It's like for English we say poop. Um, Russian word kakashka. Spanish. Kids say it's trash, hot garbage trash. Well, you know what? On the trash, you know what? I think it's probably time for some breaking news. Oh, I like that. Oh, wait, there's one more breaking, breaking news that just came through. What's that? Britain's Queen Elizabeth. Yep, I see it right here. You see it? Why don't you tell us? Yeah. So, Queen Elizabeth, her doctors are concerned about her health status. Buckingham Palace has actually announced. So that is breaking news. And she's 96. at Balmoral. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, God bless yeah. her soul. And, and to continue, following further evaluation this morning, the Queen's doctors are concerned for Her Majesty's health and have recommended she remain under medical supervision. The Queen remains comfortable at Balmoral. All right.
the palace said in a statement on Thursday. So, so yep. you're breaking talking right about now. breaking news, like, breaking, breaking live right? on air news. Right That's now. what we're bringing well, you. Well, you know, everybody's going to be on royal watch now. It's like, oh, is absolutely. the queen going to die? I mean, she couldn't go see off the transfer at Buckingham Palace no. of the prime minister. <laughs> they had to come to her. They, uh, yeah. Well, well, she's 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 in a, you know, fascinating woman so we'll definitely be updating you if we hear something else yep. um, during the break we'll during the show we'll actually update you and here in some domestic news u.s president joe biden said in a notice that he is extending a national emergency declaration on foreign interference in elections ahead of the midterm races this fall and i'm quoting from the white house page Although there has been no evidence of a foreign power altering the outcomes or vote tabulation in any United States election, foreign powers have historically sought to exploit America's free and open political system. Now, this is um, on the White House page, which is on the same page as the notice, the actual um notice that Donald Trump made in 2018 about the same thing. If you look at the White House page, it's literally right under Donald Trump saying the very same thing. Um, former U.S. Attorney General William Barr believes the Department of Justice is, quote, getting very close to being able to indict former U.S. President Donald Trump. This is what he told Fox News on Wednesday, and I was watching it live and said, are you kidding me? Barr added that an important question to ask is whether or not they will indict a former president. So Barr thinks that they will. He doesn't know if they will. How about that? In a Wednesday interview at the Defense News Conference, the chairman of the U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee, Senator Jack Reed, Democrat of Rhode Island, express uncertainty about the delivery of American aircraft to Ukraine. Hmm. According to the outlet, Reid declined to support a provision that would have authorized 100 million to start training Ukrainian pilots to fly American fighter jets in the House version of the National Defense Authorization Act, known as the NDAA. This casted doubt on whether the clause would survive negotiations when the Senate, with the Senate when Congress drafts its final legislation. Federal agents took not only Donald Trump's passports, but his medical records, doing an FBI raid on former on Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence last month. This is what Trump said on Wednesday, and I am quoting... Not only did the FBI steal my passports in the FBI raid and breaking of my home, Mar-a-Lago, but it has just been learned through court filings that they also improperly took my complete and highly confidential medical file and history. A definite no, no. Days of the Soviet Union, Trump said via his truth social media never wants to mince words. In international news, Poland could end up in a military conflict with Russia within three to 10 years. Deputy Defense Minister Marcin Osepa told the Polish newspaper DGP in an interview published 
on Wednesday. Warsaw would need the time remaining before the supposed war to acquire as many arms as possible. This is what he added. And I'm quoting, there is a serious risk of war with Russia, Osepa said, adding that the timing of this potential war depends, quoting, on how the conflict in Ukraine ends. According to the official, it would ultimately depend on how many years Russia will need to rebuild its military potential. But he didn't identify any additional factors that could either increase or decrease the risk of a conflict. Germany's largest gas importer, Uniper, has been struggling to, repay, to replace missing Russia gas supplies as the company losses are mounting. Its CEO, Klaus Dater Mobach, not to be confused with Maybach, admitted this week. The company might also run out of the money provided by Berlin in the form of an aid package later this month. This is what he warned. Amid reduced gas supplies from Russia, which Moscow blamed on technical issues and Western sanctions, Uniper had to substitute the missing volumes by buying gas at high prices on the spot, spot market and selling it to customers at cheaper and long-term prices. As a result, the company reported a loss of more than 12 billion, the biggest loss in German corporate history, as early as in July, prompting Berlin to intervene. Germany has also given unbelievably a lot of weapons to Ukraine from its reserves, but reached its limit, and now trying other ways to support Kiev, Defense Minister Christine Lambrecht said on Wednesday. Quoting, We will keep up our support for Ukraine, and we have handed over unbelievably a lot from the reserves of Bundeswehr. But I say at this point quite clearly that we have reached the limit, Lambert said during her speech in Bundestag, noting that she will make sure that the defense of the country and the alliance could be ensured in the future. President Joe Biden ha, has approved a new military package of mm, about $675 million to Ukraine. This is according to U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, and I'm quoting... Yesterday, the president approved the latest tranche of U.S. assistance to Ukraine valued up to $675 million, Austin said during a press conference at Germany's Ramstein Air Base. Austin said the package includes howitzers, artillery munitions, Humvees, armored ambulances, anti-tank systems, and more the galore. And tech news. Our favorite tech man, Elon Musk, was prompted to slow down his buyout of Twitter because of fears the world was heading into World War III. This is according to Business Insider. Private text messages were purportedly sent by Musk on May 8th to a banker at Morgan Stanley, which was financing part of the $44 billion Twitter purchase deal. Let's just slow down a few days. Putin's speech tomorrow is really important. It won't make sense to buy Twitter 
if we're heading into World War III. This is what Twitter's lawyer reportedly said while reading out Musk's, Musk's text through a court hearing on September 6th. Funny news of the day. You can call it the first Russiagate as ex-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton revealed on the Jimmy Fallon show that she mistakenly left her then young daughter, Chelsea, at the Kremlin during her husband Bill's state visit. Clinton told the story in response to a prompt from Jim host Jimmy Fallon for any, quote, crazy vacation stories. Acknowledging the experience was pretty traumatic, she claimed she and her husband had gotten caught up in the formalities of their visit with then-president, Russian President Boris Yeltsin, and had already been ushered into their limousine only to return to the airport before they realized that, oh my gosh, where's Chelsea? Where was child services then when you needed them? And on this day in history, 1504, Michelangelo's David is unveiled in Piazza della Signoria in Florence. 1945, the division of Korea begins when United States troops arrive to partition the southern part of Korea in response to Soviet troops occupying the northern part of the peninsula a month earlier. 1966, the landmark American science fiction television series Star Trek premieres with its first aired episode, The Man Track. And 2005, two illusion, two 76 aircraft from Embercon land at a disaster aid staging area at Little Rock Air Force Base, the first time Russia has flown such a mission to North America. Those are your headlines for today, September 8th. You are listening to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. All right. How about that Queen Elizabeth? I mean, I know. I, I mean, I you never wished anybody. I, I don't anyway. I don't wish anybody ill health or death. But I mean, the lady's almost 100 years old. Yeah. Four years shy. Yeah. And they lived a very full life. Yes. And, you know, at some point, whether it's now or tomorrow or next year, we would have been having. Right. I mean, it's bound to happen. The lady is almost 100. Her husband's passed away. And you know what they say when people are married that long, that once one partner goes, one spouse goes, yep. The other one shortly thereafter. I mean, there are some that stick around for a long, long, long time, but these people have been married since their 20s. I guess all all the riches that has been have been taken from the continent of Africa have just kept her alive (laughs) and in good spirits. Oh, you went there, Reese. You know what? I woke up choosing violence. That's all the. But this she's lived lady. an absolutely right. um, phenomenal life. She's been a steward of the the crown. Um, yeah. So Pilfering this isn't the diamonds. Well, that's from well, yes, the continent. But of in this Africa. context, we're talking about her failing health, and so I think it's only appropriate to acknowledge the role that she has played, not just in world history, in world but history, definitely. Yeah. God yeah. don't like ugly. Well, <laughs> well, no. yes, God doesn't like ugly. Let's not dance on her grave before she gets I know, there. I know, but you know what? She's Stuck it out 96 years. That is like 50 plus more years than a lot of people. So, you know, this is she's had a good long run. Um, But we I guess I wish her well, at least. Absolutely. I mean, I don't I don't wish anybody to hurry to their grave. I wish that she would return the jewels. Well, she didn't take anything. But I think we should just keep in mind that this is a woman who was putting up a very powerful woman putting that position. And she has 
led it very well. And I hope that w- whatever happens, I hope that, you know, she's able to rest in peace and we'll cross that bridge. Oh, God. Return the loot, Lizzie. Saying, return the loot. Oh, we're saying that already. This lady, watch, she's going to make a big old turnaround and she's going to outlive everybody to like 110. So I she don't put it past her. The queen the mom, the queen mom lived a long time. Her Facts mo- are her mom. ugly. Facts are ugly. Her mom lived a long time. I think she was over 100. But yeah. Return the loot, Lizzie. Return Do the loot. Do we have Elijah? Yes. Anyway, before we get to our next guest, Elijah Magnier, who is a longtime a veteran war correspondent. He's reported from all over the place. We're going to talk to him about all the stuff that's happening across Europe, all the protests, the gas prices, um, just the cost of living out there and more money going to Ukraine from the U.S. So sit tight. We're going to come back with Elijah Magnier right after this break. You are listening to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. Fault Lines. Welcome back to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. I am Manila Chan sitting with guest co-host as Jamarl is on vacation. He'll be back uh, the middle of next week, I believe. So this week we are sitting with Malik Abdul, the atomic MAGA and the Vice of Legalese, M. Reese Everson. Time to bring in our next guest as the rumblers are saying... Elijah Magnier to bring the thunder to talk about all the stuff that's happening in Europe. Elijah is a veteran war correspondent. Pretty much any war in the latter half of the 20th century, Elijah has covered, whether it was in the Middle East or the NATO bombings of Yugoslavia, you name it, Elijah was there. You can check out all of his reporting at ElijahJM.wordpress.com. Follow Elijah on Twitter at E-J-M-A-L-R-A-I. Elijah, good morning. How are you today? Thank you for joining us. Hello, Manila. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us about, um, I believe you're in Brussels, is that correct? Yes, that is correct. How are the the, the gas prices there, the cost of living, the, the energy, as you know, now we know Nord Stream 1 is not going back online. What is it like there in Brussels? Well, it is not only Nord Stream 1, Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 that has never been inaugurated only to because the Americans have decided such and uh, they announced it from Washington that the uh, gas line between Russia and the rest of Europe is not going to start. And, and that was an American decision since Donald Trump was in power and he failed and now Joe Biden. So the situation in Europe is as the following. Um, France said that is going to invest 43 billion euros to compensate the uh, increase of price of energy uh, due to the sanctions they have imposed on Russia. Um, Italy said it's going to cost it between 50 to 100 billion. Uh, and um, Germany said it's uh, uh, around 60 to 70 so every country is investing dozens of billions of, do- of euros just to hold the population from going in the street and just rejecting, attacking the government's decisions that have been always counterproductive to the European inhabitants. So they are telling us here in Brussels that you have to expect the price of uh, gas, of oil, 
to increase between, it is already two point something euros, but it is going to be between two and three euros. That is equivalent more or less to three dollars, the liter. And um, for the gas, they said that we have to expect the worst starting from the end of this current month of September. But already we have seen the increase of prices of all the goods and food to the point that we understand from the Eurocrats here in Brussels, they are telling us that, look, it is not food is not going to lack in the world. But what is going to lack, and we have to pay attention to that, is that the people who would be um, ready to afford paying for the food. So it is not a question of lacking of goods. It's a lacking of money. It's not going to be enough money to buy food here in Brussels. Today, for example, this morning, I bought just a very simple uh, lettuce salad for two euros. We used to pay 80 cents or 90 cents for it. And the the price is really more than doubled. So everything, uh, all prices um, have increased and it has nothing to do uh, with the war in Ukraine. It has to do with two things. First of all, it's COVID and the decision of government to close down. And now uh, everybody is using the war in Ukraine as a scapegoat to say, oh, it is the Russian war on Ukraine. They're not saying what, they're not remembering what they've told us just three years ago. And since 2019, 2020, and 2021, that this lockdown is going to cause a major um, crisis and major inflation throughout the world. Secondly, it's a decision of Europe on top of the uh, COVID consequences, uh, the decision of Europe to say, uh, first, we're going to reduce the gas from Russia, that is cost uh, at least 40% cheaper than the gas coming from the US and from Qatar, that is liquid gas. And here we are not equipped to receive the liquid gas. We are equipped to receive gas through the pipelines and normal gas that coming from Russia. Secondly, because the Americans are telling us we can supply you with 10 billion cubic meters when we need 155 billion. Uh, Algeria is saying, okay, I can provide you with eight and nine uh, billion cubic meters, but that is still representing seven to eight percent of what we need here in Brussels. Kazakhstan is the same. So we're going to beg gas from all over the world, but with the uh, very important declaration from the Eurocrat here in Brussels, head of the European Commission, Commission uh, Ursula von der Leyen, and all the European state, and above all, the German uh, Chancellor, they're saying to us, all our storage capacity is full. However, this full means we have between 48 to 50% to cover the need of the winter. So they're telling us it's full, but it's 50%, it's half of what we need and what the Europeans need. And yet they still insist on the second point here. And my point is not only the sanctions, but also that they are imposing a price on the gas. So you have the gas and then the buyer is going to tell you, I can buy your gas that I desperately need, but the price that I choose. So I decide the price and you have to sell it to me. Otherwise, you're weaponizing your energy. 
I mean, this yes. mentality, nobody in Europe is capable of understanding that Europe is supplying weapons to Ukraine, killing Ukrainian and Russians, uh, imposing sanctions on Ukraine, on, on Russia. The, it is uh, uh, saying that we don't want your gas, but we are going to put a price on it. And then if you do anything, and then it is your fault because you weaponize it. This is exactly the colonized mentality that exists in Europe that made its richness from stealing other countries and mainly Africa. Yes. Now, on that note, I want to get the listeners up to speed with what you're referring to. You are referring to the recent G7 um, decision to put a, a price cap on Russian natural gas uh, which Europe is in need. So the G7 countries, which include primarily European countries and Japan, uh, along with the U.S., Janet Yellen announced um, just before last weekend that the G7 has decided that they will put a price cap on what the group is willing to pay the Russians for their product. That price has not yet been decided However, they will decide in the coming weeks and they will announce it. We've already heard the Kremlin uh, say, respond, as well as Vladimir Putin yesterday, uh, literally calling this stupid. The, the translation is stupid um, because this is the, the equivalent, like you were saying, Elijah, this is the equivalent of a customer walking into any shop, any store, and let's say the customer with six other friends walk into a store and tell the shop owner, I want to buy this jacket that you have uh, in your store, but we we all want this jacket, but we only want to pay $20 for it. Even though you're selling it, the sticker says it's $50. We're only willing to pay 20 and you must sell it to us. Well, it shouldn't be any surprise that the shop owner tells these customers, get out of here. I'm not, I'm selling it for $50. Get out of here. 50 euro. Get out of here with your 20 euro. Get out of here. I, I don't need to sell to you. There's other customers. I mean, is that a pretty fair assessment? Well, with one single difference, you're absolutely right. The, the only small uh, detail that I may add is I am desperately in need to buying this item from the shop. And then yeah. I impose my price. It's not that I want yeah. to buy it. No, no, I'm dying to buy it. A jacket. Yes, I'm freezing. I need this jacket. Exactly. And this is what's happening here. They ask us to reduce the use of gas by 15%. Already we are reducing the use of gas, but then all the prices are increases. So is it related really to the gas? And if it is related to the gas, why are you doing this? In Germany, every, in, every, in many cities, now here is the, the, the beauty of another person to point out here. Now, in, in many cities, people are uprising and saying, stop your decisions, open the Nord Stream 2 and open the Nord Stream 1 and stop imposing sanctions. And what the, the, uh, the answer is coming from the uh, uh, anti-Russian and people who are really trying to impose their ideas on the rest of the world, saying, oh, these are paid by the Kremlin. I am not paid by the Kremlin. I hope someone can pay me and increase my salary. <laughs> I'm also in the street and suffering from the prices. I am not paid by anyone. My uh, my boss is hardly paying my salary and is not increasing it despite of the cost of life. But I am suffering from the increased cost of life. 
And this is not related to the war in Ukraine. It is related to the decision of my leaders who are taking the wrong decisions and telling us, well, we understand what you're doing. We're going to help you with one of 200 or 300 euros, only those who are in need. Everybody is in need. And 200 euros are not going to cost the price, the difference of price of food for a week or two weeks. We used to go shopping for a week and pay for the food between 80 to 90 euros. Today, we pay 200 to 250 per week. That is un- unacceptable. I, Elijah, thank you for joining us. This is Malik. And to your, um, you actually mentioned the protest around Europe. And we know that whether it's in Brussels and Prague and Paris, you know, they're taking to the streets, really um, protesting what's happening there. Uh, along with like the energy prices, we do know that that's definitely a concern. Um, are you hearing other things on the ground? Um, you're there yourself. So are you hearing other things on the ground? I, I know there were reports that people and they kind of character, you know, categorize them or characterize them as, you know, those on the far right who was pushing the um, pushing back against the decisions as far as the, you know, cutting off the, the, the Russian as far as like the Russian sanctions and many of the other things. But in also some places they're pushing back on the an invitation of Ukrainian refugees. Um, are you seeing any of that type of pushback? I know with typically with economic anxiety, these things kind of build up. But are you seeing things just other than the energy prices? Are you seeing other types of pushback there on the ground? Well, there is something very uh, striking here that people don't want to hear about Ukraine anymore. They don't want to hear about the war in Ukraine uh, hardly people are following what's happening in Ukraine today. The general view is, oh, Ukraine is just trying to blackmail Europe, asking for more money because the day they signed a deal with Russia, nobody's going to help them because all the support they are getting is has only one purpose, is to continue fighting the Russian according to the U.S. agenda, not the European agenda. Secondly, they all blame the European leaders by saying they should have followed what uh, Charles de Gaulle did uh, in 1966 when he kicked out NATO and Europe has missed the opportunity. Third, they're saying why we are paying money now to Ukrainian refugees that are are more or less over 10 million in Europe. Uh, And uh, when we are all suffering and these 10 millions are using up the gas, the electricity, the goods, and they are contributing and increasing the price. So it is not anti-humanitarian. It's go and stop this bloody war in Ukraine when you can, or stop investing money and sending money to Ukraine, particularly when President Zelensky added to that, saying, I am sure that European Union is going to continue helping me. And they just paid a week ago 5 billion euros. Now, all this money is invested in the wrong place invested in building up Ukraine, building up other countries, bring down the prices that is were heavily weighing on the citizen and stop taking these wrong decisions because the anger is going to turn wrongly against the Ukrainians who are in the country. At the end of the day, these people have nothing to do with this war. This war was triggered by the Americans against the Russian, knowing that it's exactly what the Russia attitude is going to be because Russia warned us since 2008, this is what is going to happen. Warned us 2014, this is what is going to happen. And then in 2021, starting from April, 
Russia gave us at least 10 months warning, building up the forces on the Ukrainian frontier and saying, look, I'm bloody serious here and you have to watch it because I'm going to move in if you don't stop your policy. And we've done everything in the book to really invite Russia to Ukraine because we thought, as the Hungarian prime minister said, that Russia is going to to be defeated, that President Putin is going to be overthrown by his own people, and uh, that uh, the Russians are going to be involved in a very long war in Guacamaya in uh, Ukraine. Well, it's not going, nothing of that happened. We are paying the price of our decisions, and the Ukrainian people are paying the, the price of the decision of their leader to follow only the U.S. policy, not the European policy, the U.S. policy, because why I say not the European, it's because the Europeans are also in the queue behind the U.S. policy. Wow, that 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 really is something because I I we were just talking in our headlines about how the United States we're getting ready to send they just approved another six hundred and seventy five million that we're giving to Ukraine at a time where Americans here in the states we're concerned about our energy prices we're concerned about gas and whether or not we have enough food on the table so Clean your water. yeah your perspective is really good i mean it, it's it's very enlightening and so i definitely appreciate everything you said on that well the americans have invested dozens of billions of dollars in the war in ukraine that could have invested that for the Americans, for the prosperity of the Americans, uh, for the social life, for the uh, medical uh, assistance, for everything. America is like any other nation, is in need of more support and in need of more care and more money that will relieve the population. Well, it seems that our leaders are only ready to invest in wars and hold on. You're not starting the war in Ukraine only against Russia. But now you are directed toward China because the American administration lives on wars, lives on crisis. Otherwise, the American will turn against their leaders and say, what are you doing to us? So they need to make them feel that there is always a threat abroad. I mean, you're going to Taiwan. Why are you going to Taiwan when you consider Taiwan is part of China? Why you go and sell $1.1 billion worth of weapons to Taiwan when you say, according to the United Nations, your own declaration, and I'm talking here to the U.S. administration, that Taiwan is part of China, is one country, one China. And then you go and deploy your weapons in Taiwan and send your weapons to, uh, to people and invite them to fight China. Why do you do that? It's because the administration is ready to invest only in wars, but not in the prosperity of humankind. Come on, Elijah. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And thank you. Thank you for saying what we've all been thinking. There's a documentary, The Fear of, uh, I'm sorry, The Business of Fear or the politics of fear, and it's so powerful because it talks about how there's always got to be a manufactured crisis that scares the people into thinking that, There's weapons of mass destruction, weapons of mass destruction, weapons of mass destruction. And you get to say things over and over loud enough so that you can go into other countries and make money for certain businesses instead of actually addressing the needs of the people. And so I 
thank you this morning, Elijah, for saying it. I am grateful for hearing it out loud instead of just in my head. I'm grateful to you. And to your point, um, you have made some amazing points, but uh, we've seen drone confrontations in the Persian Gulf as well. So not only have we gone into Taiwan, we've had issues with you and we've gone and sent over billions to Ukraine. We've seen drone confrontations in the Persian Gulf. Is this the sign of uh, the GP? Well, there, well, I guess first there was a GCPOA Iran deal. Is that now going to fall apart? And are the drone confrontation signs that those negotiations have gone sour? Yeah, the JCPOA. Yeah. Well, the JCPOA is going sour for one reason. It's because the Israeli intelligence services offered information that Iran is developing three secret nuclear sites that have not been revealed. And then at the time of Barack Obama in 2015, he understood that at the end of the day, there is nothing there. And these trace of uranium that were discovered were actually put there by uh, another, a third party. Uh, he didn't say the American, uh, the Israelis or the intelligence services, but we all understand what's happening. And these three sites were offered. Uh, the IAEA, the International Atomic uh, Energy Organization, was offered uh, the possibility to visit these three sites, and they have visited these three sites, and they found traces of uranium. In 2015, Barack Obama said, okay, well, we close the file, we continue, we sign the deal. Now, Joe Biden, who promised to return to the deal, is saying, well, these three sites, because the IAEA is not uh, made of only professional people, but people who are also involved in politics when they should not do that. They should be really professional and look after only their business and hunt down any other site because they have been given a free access anytime they want. They select. They say, today we're going to drive in this place and they just drive in it. That is the JCPOA deal was made according to these terms. So Today, Joe Biden is saying, well, these answers are not satisfactory for the IAEA. Therefore, we're not going to interfere and we wait for Iran to respond. And Iran is saying, you know very well that this is an intelligence service um, uh, cuisine. It is not ours. And if you insist on it, we're not going to sign the deal for one simple reason. Because every time you want to remove a, deal, a, a sanction, you're going to say, well, you still have some unanswered question to the IAEA. Therefore, we're keeping the sanction, but you return and then you destroy all your advanced centrifuge, you pour cement in your nuclear um, reactors, and then you reduce your the nuclear purity uh, to 3.75% uh, instead of 60%. What the Americans, uh, the Iranians are not fooled are saying we're not going to fall into the same trap twice. And if this decision is not made before the signature of the JCPOA, now hold on, the Iranians never left the JCPOA. They're still on the table. They're still negotiating. The Americans left the JCPOA in 2018, and they never returned. And today they are negotiating indirectly through the European partner. The return of the JCPOA when they have left so Iran is in, and the Americans are telling to Iran, to the Iranian, you have to comply by a deal that we are out, and we did disrespect it, and we didn't abide by it. 
this is where we are and this is why we are stuck in the JCPOA. And Europe is saying, please return to the JCPOA because with the, uh, Iran producing 2.5 billion, uh, sorry, 2.5 million barrel of uh, oil per day, we desperately need it because the Americans, you are not allowing us to buy it from Russia. So we have to buy it somewhere. And the lack of gasoline in the oil market, it is um, not going to work because there is a real thirst in the oil market. And OPEC, that is the organization responsible for uh, uh, allocating a quota to every country of the oil producers, saying, I have increased the oil quota to 690,000 barrels per day, but I can't do it for long. I do it only for a couple of months. And then after that, I return to the same production. Now, obviously, the countries who produce oil cannot go against their own interests and start pouring millions of barrels to compensate the uh, lack of European decision to buy uh, Russian uh, uh, oil. So they, uh, they have to keep the price up. And it is against their policy and their interest to produce more gas and more oil and then uh, bring the price down. So they are making a lot of money, like Russia is making over 117 billion, so the double of what they used to make uh, (laughs) in six months due to the European sanctions. So bottom line, I tell you one thing. We in Europe rely really on the American citizen to start understanding what's happening, to be informed about geopolitics, to understand what the administration they're voting for is producing around the world in climate change, in the lack of energy, in colonizing population, enforcing the hand of government and pushing them to take counterproductive decisions to other people. There are hundreds of millions of people here that are suffering the prices, but there are other hundreds of millions in Africa, they are starving. So the the aim is for the American population to be more aware of what's happening. So when they go to vote, they know to whom they are voting and they can stand against their leader as we do and say, your decisions are wrong. We're not going to allow you to continue to do so. This is democracy. And if you have real democracy, and first get informed, understand what's happening, understand your vote, what your vote is doing and provoking the, the ripple effect that is provoking worldwide. And then you choose your candidate because at the end of the day, we're paying the price of your decision. Elijah, on the JCPOA, um, I, I'm a little suspect of how bumpy this um, renegotiation has been going between Iran and the U.S., uh, especially given the recent timing that the Department of Defense is saying that Russia is allegedly purchasing drones from Iran. Uh, They're making this accusation. They haven't presented any shred of evidence or proof, but they had a general speak about it at a press conference recently ahead of the weekend. Um, There has nobody, and, and I noticed nobody in the media asked the general to present any evidence, any receipts, any anything, any intelligence to show that the the claim he is making is actually true. Um, that's one thing. So for me, the timing seems a little odd that it comes on the heels 
of this alleged purchase of, you know, the Russians purchasing drones from Iran. And secondly, it seems to me that the there is plenty of, you know, speculation because of the the pivot to the east. The Russians are looking eastward towards uh, Iran and the greater Asian continent going forward. But it seems to me that the Russian capability to produce their own weaponry it seems to be intact and fine. So is, do you see any correlation between the, the ramped up rhetoric about Iran and Russia and any of, you know, how the JCPOA seems to be uh, hitting another roadblock? Well, here there are two points that need to be highlighted. The first point is wherever there is a general narrative, you have a very large part of the population who follow the same narrative without thinking and start defending it. And you have a very small percentage of people who stick to the truth and keep holding on to the truth. And that is a very, really, minority around the globe. And I'm not talking in one particular country. Secondly, I remember in 2006, when I was in Lebanon during the Israeli attack on Lebanon for 31 days, and the Israelis, after 10 days, they, all their warehouses were empty. I remember also in Iraq, the war against uh, ISIS in 2014. In the first few months, uh, Iraq emptied all its warehouses of uh, ammunition and started requesting others from Iran, from America. And America waited for three, four months before delivering the weapons that the Iraqis paid for. So inevitably, in every war, no country around the globe is capable of maintaining the same uh, quantity of weapons that are available in its warehouses, no matter how big is the country. So if you look today, all of Europe, the entire European Union is saying we have emptied our warehouses. We don't have any more weapons to give to Ukraine. So now they are in trouble because they are selecting and increasing the production because in, inevitably in every war, you need thousands of every um, a rocket or missile, depending what you have and what you are using. So it is not surprising that Russia lacks some weapons when the war has been going on since February. So we have a good six plus month that the war has been going on. And inevitably, Russia's production is on the line, but it also needs something immediately to purchase, like the... Uh, uh, like the uh, Turks who deliver uh, drones to Ukraine and they keep delivering drones to Ukraine. Uh, even now, even with Turkey's policy that is in the middle, despite the fact that Turkey is a NATO country, but it has excellent relationship with Russia and attacking U Europe and the U.S. decisions, but it's still supplying Ukraine. It's supplying Azerbaijan. So during a war, everybody would lack ammunition. And it is not shameful or surprising when a country is using all its ammunition and producing others and going by something else that it needs of one thing particular. There is no army in the world that has enough um, weapons and uh, ammunition when they start a war. And that's a, that's a good point that you made about the, and I think we talked here yesterday about here in the U.S., the discussion that they're having, the, the, the warning, if you will, that the Pentagon gave saying that our, our munitions were actually in a lower supply. Now, 
that according to the Pentagon, we're still able to do whatever it is that we need to do to defend the country. But to your point about that, the United States is facing the very same thing because we're giving so many of our munitions. We're sending them over to Ukraine. And but I wanted to ask you about the just, you know, um, hindsight, of course, is always 2020. But just to ask your perspective on the initial deal, the under initial um, JCPOA, the, uh, the reason, at least if you listen to Donald Trump, that he pulled us out of the deal is because he felt that it actually failed. It, it failed to address Iran's ballistic missile program. But he specifically mentioned the sunset provisions, which were actually part of the initial deal that eventually would have allowed Iran to pursue nuclear weapons in the future. Do you think that that was a valid concern in, in as part of the original deal? Do you think that that was a valid concern that Iran would at some point pursue additional um, uh, nuclear weapons in the future? Well, this is a very good point. First of all, Iran has reached uh, 60% uranium purity. The main difficulty of producing uranium purity goes from 5 to 20%. From 20 to 60, it took Iran, it took years for Iran to produce from 5 to 20, but it took few months to produce from 20 to 60. And it certainly takes Iran uh, less to produce from 60 to 90%, and nuclear bombs need 90% purity. Now, the knowledge Iran has to produce nuclear weapons, no deal is going to stop that because it is already there. Iran has nuclear scientists, it has nuclear reactors, it has advanced centrifuge that went from the first generation to the ninth generation now. The first is the one that is allowed in the JCPOA, and the ninth that was taken by Iran when uh, the U.S., pulled out a year after. So Iran started in 2019 and gave the U.S. one year ahead to return to its decision and to return to JCPOA, which America didn't do until today. So Iran has the capability of producing nuclear weapons today, not in five years' time, and not in 2025, or not in 2030. So this is not an excuse. Secondly, about Iranian uh, missiles capability. That was never on the table. Barack Obama tried to discuss that, and the Iranians said, we are out. We will never discuss something that related to our national security. And thanks to Iran missiles capability today, Iran is capable of defending itself. You take the Iranian missile uh, capability, is like a shark without teeth. This is not something that Iran is going to accept under any circumstances, whatever great the sanctions are. And already the U.S. has imposed 3,500 sanctions on Iran, crippling everything at the exception of the air the Iranians are breathing. So this is not an issue. The missiles is not going to be put on the table. But Iran made a suggestion and said, OK, we can discuss the missile program uh, if uh, only according to one conditions. First, you remove the nuclear weapons from uh, Israel and you remove yourself from the 35 military base that you, the U.S. forces, are spread around the Middle East because there is no need for your presence here. We're not waging war against one another. Iran never declared war on any country in the Middle East in the last 40 years or 43 years of the Iranian revolution. So if you are ready to pull out from the Middle East, 
we're ready to put our missile capability on the table. Otherwise, if you stay there, we feel we need to defend ourselves because you can attack us anytime and you can uh, do that without any um, scruple or any reason. And as you did in Afghanistan, after 20 years, you pulled out and then you delivered the power again to the Taliban that you said you want to remove from the country and from power. So you failed, but you waged war. You killed millions of people in Iraq and Afghanistan, in Syria. You're still occupying Syria. What stops you from occupying Iran? So this is why the yeah. missile program is not going to be discussed. Yeah, very, very well put. Great analysis, as always. Our friend Elijah Magne, veteran war correspondent. If there was a war... He was there. You can read about his work at ElijahJM.wordpress.com. Follow him on Twitter at E-J-M-A-L-R-A-I. Thank you so much for that assessment, Elijah. And we're going to skip the break because we've got a couple callers on hold. uh, So we need to get right to them. Let's first hop over to New Orleans, our buddy Tarif. Hey, Tarif, we've got a couple callers behind you. What's going on? What's on your mind? All right, I'm going to try and get past this. Um, first, I'd like to say free Jordan signs. Um, you know what? I'll, I might have to just call back because I don't have enough. Oh, you you give well well. You you got you got your two minutes like we've uh, offering everybody else. So take advantage. Go for it, buddy. Well, the situation what I'm going through as a whistleblower, how my life just got turned upside down with Indiendos and basically getting isolated, blackball friends. Family friends don't want to mess with me anymore because I'm a whistleblower. And I, from what I understand, it's coming from the government. From my opinion, I can't prove it. I'm saying whatever's been, it is, you know, it got in a, the African American community is somewhat, I feel, I believe, have fought with it. I'm talking about those so called activists and preachers and, you know, politicians, right? Well, if you can use it to target me, to destroy my name, why you can't use that same system? to go after the dope dealers and the the, um, the, um, the, the, the carjackers, things, people that's in a black community that's causing harm, to put it on their mind to stop selling that dope, stop doing that, right? Stop doing legal activities. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, Tarif, I got I to gotta point out, though, that you probably had a good reputation that you don't want hurt, whereas a drug dealer doesn't really have a good reputation, so he don't care. But yeah, that that's a that's a sensitive topic. I'm sorry you're going through that. Um, but as always, we appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see if we we'll, I'm not sure. I can't promise that we'll have more time in the next hour. But I got to move on to the next caller. But I appreciate it, my friend. Uh, let's, support. let's move over to Malik here in the district. Malik, good morning. We have two minutes. Good morning, guys. I'll try to be as concise as possible. Uh, we, we have, a, we have a, a thing in, in the uh, liberation movement that we call criticism, self-criticism. And it isn't a personal thing when it's directed at you. It's meant to make you a better comrade, per se. You guys were giving us a bit of the CNN treatment this morning uh, when you were discussing uh, the political class and you're discussing the Obamas and uh, the Clintons and, and, and so forth. And you, you have to understand that, that some of us listening are part of political movements around the world and here in the U.S. And these are criminals from from our perspective, you know, um, and there's this, there's a lot of history on the Clintons. And and I, and I feel like you guys were, you know, kind of, uh, you know, 
for lack of a better term, you were kind of giving us the CNN treatment, and then you kind of discussed the queen a bit. And, and, and from our perspective and many people's perspectives around the world, these are criminals. I, 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 have, I have no sympathy whatsoever uh, for these people uh, uh, and for the queen. Uh, you know, may flights of demons take her to the deepest depths of hell. She is, she is associated with uh, the triangle slave trade, uh, with the, the, the erasing of the Tasmanian race. Uh, you know, these, these are criminals. Malik, that's but, fair. Didn't that's you hear fair. me say, uh, give back the loot, Lizzie? I know I heard that, and I have and, and Malik, my brother. I, I have to say, I have to point a particular criticism at you. I feel like you were silencing my sister when she was criticizing the the history of of the of of that monarchy and its connection to to oppression uh, uh, around the world. Malik, we got to pause you right there because I'll let Malik respond, and then we have to go. Oh, okay. Um, I, I appreciate those comments. But yes, we, we sometimes we got to take it light. It can't be heavy all the time is all I got to say. Call back, um, Malik. Malik, Malik, thank you for that. That's going to do it for the second hour on Fault Lines here on Radio Sputnik. Appreciate those calls. Appreciate Elijah Magnier. We'll see you in the third hour. This is Fault Lines. Fault Lines. Live from the divided states of America in the belly of the beast in Washington, D.C., good morning. You are listening to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. Thank you for joining us on Rumble, 105.5 FM and 1390 AM in the D.C. Metro. We're also in Kansas City at 1140 AM, 102.9 FM and 104.7 FM on your radio dial. I am the Vice of Legalese, Emery Severson, temporary guest co-host, along with the Atomic MAGA, Malik Abdul, and the Vixen of Veritas, the Thriller in Manila, Chan. This is the show that dares to go there. This is Fault Lines. See, this is something you don't get in television is you get immediate feedback. Yes. from the listeners or the viewers, which I had to adjust to. But I appreciate Malik's criticism. They mad I, at y'all. I, I'm not mad at that. I, but for me, sometimes when you have a couple of minutes to not be so critical 24-7, it does wonders for my blood pressure, let me tell you, because I've been doing this a long time. And sometimes I just want to scream. So sometimes, yeah, you, you kind of go, I, I, I take it a little light sometimes because I, I just need to. I, I, I think that's actually good. And, you know, I take his criticism. I'm pretty sure that many people actually agree with Malik. <laughs> my thing is, is that what I choose to use my platform for. So whether or not it's someone I like or don't like, when it comes to their health, um, I saw it when they did it. With, we, as soon as Scalia died, they danced on his grave. They did it to uh, G.W. Bush. I choose not to use right. my platform to Agreed. do that. And I understand that there are other people. They don't care. If you're sick, right. it doesn't matter because your history is the only thing that they're concerned about. But I choose not to use my platform to engage in those type of things. And but I, I, I give people credit. for. I mean, if people want to do that, that's absolutely fine. I don't do it. Malik, right. I wasn't. Let me just be clear. I was not celebrating her sickness or her death. 
I'm saying that while she's still here and still got air in her lungs, that she can still do the right thing and give back the loop. Is that her decision, though? Because she's pretty much a figurehead. She's pretty much a well, figurehead. Yeah. So is that really her decision I as far like, as the government? I feel like Returning there might be the diamonds is definitely within her purview. Like an executive decision type thing. Prob- probably, but, you know, I mean, there's I another know. update to the queen is that now oh, wow. her family members have been rushed to Belmarle to be uh, at her bedside. So that um, does not sound good for the old queen. Oh, wow. um, so I imagine they are probably getting Prince Charles ready um, for this probably a ceremony, you know, to, I don't know, whatever they Coronation. do. Yeah. But many, a, I, I just want to point out, historically, many a slave master on their dead deathbed said, free, you, you can now free this one, that one, and the other. So it's possible to have a, a wish, a last wish to repaint, to restore justice justice, and, and re- repair what you've taken. That's yeah. fair. Well, she's not going to do that. Yeah. I actually probably not. <laughs> on, on that note, let's head over that to some news. some news. I've got wishes, guys. I've got wishes. Yes. So that that update, um, oh. her son, Prince Charles, grandson, Prince William, and other family yep. members have joined her at the hospital. Yeah. So, okay. In the breaking news, as we said, Queen Elizabeth II's doctors are concerned about her health status, according to Buckingham Palace. Uh, following further evaluation this morning, the Queen's doctors are concerned for Her Majesty's health and have recommended she remain under medical supervision. The Queen remains comfortable at Balmoral, the palace said on, in a statement on Thursday, and update her son, Prince Charles, grandson, Prince William. Other family members have joined her at the hospital. There's word that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle will be on their way to Scotland soon. In national news, U.S. President Joe Biden said in a notice that he is extending a national emergency declaration on foreign interference in elections ahead of the midterm races this fall. Quote, although there have been no there has been no evidence of a foreign power altering the outcomes or vote tabulation in any United States election, foreign powers have historically sought to exploit America's free and open political system. The notice said on Wednesday. Former U.S. Attorney General William Barr believes the Department of Justice is getting, quote, very close to being able to indict former U.S. President Donald Trump, he told Fox News on Wednesday. Barr added that it's an that an important question to ask is whether or not they will indict a former president. Listen, if you weren't going to indict him, you shouldn't have went into his house. Let's stop playing these kind of cat and mouse games. okay, guys? In a Wednesday interview at the Defense News Conference, the chairman of the U- the chairman of the U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee, Senator Jack Reed, Democrat from Rhode Island, expressed uncertainty about the delivery of American aircraft to Ukraine. According to the outlet, Reed declined to support a provision that would have authorized 100 million to start training Ukrainian pilots to fly American fighter jets in the House version of the National Defense Authorization Act (NDAA) casting doubts on whether the clause would survive negotiations with the Senate when Congress drafts final legislation. Federal federal agents took confidential medical records during an FBI raid on former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence last month, Trump said on Wednesday. Not only did the FBI steal my passports in the FBI raid and break in my my home, Mar-a-Lago, but it has just been learned through court filings that they also improperly took my completely and highly confidential medical file and history. A definite no-no. 
days of the Soviet Union, according to Trump on his Truth social media platform. In international news, Poland could end up in a military conflict with Russia within three to 10 years, according to Deputy Defense Minister Marcin Osiepa, who told the Polish newspaper DGP in an interview that was published on Wednesday. Warsaw would need time to rem uh, remaining before the supposed war to acquire as many arms as possible, he added, there's a serious risk of war with Russia, according to Osipia, adding that the timing of this potential war depends on how the conflict in Ukraine ends. According to the official, it would ultimately depend on how many years Russia will need to rebuild its military potential. He did not identify any additional facts that could either increase or decrease the risk of a conflict. Germany's largest gas importer, Uniper, has been struggling to replace missing Russian gas supplies as the company's losses are mounting. Its CEO, Klaus-Dieter Malbach, admitted this week the company might also run out of the money provided by Berlin in the form of an aid package later this month, he warned. Amid reduced gas supplies from Russia, which Moscow blamed on technical issues and Western sanctions, Uniper has to substitute the missing volumes by buying gas at high prices on the spot market and selling it to its customers at cheaper, long-term prices. As a result, the company reported a loss of more than 12 billion euros, 12 billion dollars, the biggest loss in German corporate history as early as in July, prompting Berlin to intervene. Other German news, Germany has, according to uh, Defense Minister Christine Lambrich, given unbelievably, quote, unbelievably a lot of weapons to Ukraine from its reserve, but reached its limit and is now trying other ways to support Kiev. She said, we will keep up our support for Ukraine and we have handed over unbelievably a lot from the reserves of the Bundeswehr. But I, but I say this, I, but I say at this point quite clearly, we have reached the limit, Lambrich said on Wednesday during her speech at the Bundestag, noting that she will make sure the defense of the country and the alliance could be ensured in the future. Other international news, President Joe Biden has approved Another package of military aid to Ukraine worth $675 million, according to U.S. Secretary, uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. According to him, yesterday the president approved the latest tranche of U.S. assistance to Ukraine valued at up to $675 million, Austin said at a press conference at Germany's Ramstein Air Base. Austin said the package includes howitzers, artillery, munitions, Humvees, armored ambulances, anti-tank systems, and more. Okay, now, oh, who's at war? Is America at war or is Ukraine at war? Because at this point, I feel like we have become the puppet masters. Anyway, in tech news, Elon Musk was prompted to slow down his buyout of Twitter because of fears the world was heading into World War III, according to Business Insider. In a private text message that were reportedly sent by Musk on the 8th of May to a banker at Morgan Stanley, which was financing part of the $44 billion Twitter purchase deal. The text said, 
let's slow down just a few days. Putin's speech tomorrow is really important. It would make sense to buy, it wouldn't make sense to buy Twitter if we're heading into World War III, according to Twitter's lawyers, who said they that while reading out a text that apparently Musk sent in a court hearing on September 6th. In our funny news of the day, you can call it the first Russiagate as ex-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton revealed on the Jimmy Fallon show that she mistakenly left her then young daughter Chelsea at the Kremlin during her husband Bill's state visit. Clinton told the story in response to a prompt from host Jimmy Fallon for any crazy vacation stories. She acknowledged the experience was pretty traumatic, quote, she exclaimed that she and her husband had gotten caught up in the formalities of their visit with then-Russian President Boris Yeltsin and had already been ushered into their limousine to return to the airport before they realized that Chelsea was not present. Where was Child Protective Services when you need them? Okay. On this day in history, in 1504, Michelangelo's David is unveiled in the Piazza della Signoria in Florence and has been needing a robe ever since. In 1945, the division of Korea begins when United States troops arrive to partition the southern part of Korea. In 1966, the landmark American science fiction television series Star Trek premiered with its first episode the man trap. Just a little fact, according to my father, I was conceived during Star Trek. Oh. Not that you needed to know that. <laughs> In 1974, the Watergate scandal, U.S. President Gerald Ford signed the pardon of Richard Nixon for any crimes Nixon may have committed while in office. Well. Carte blanche. Yes. I did not do it, is what he said. In 2005, two Aleutian Il-76 aircraft from Emercrom land at a disaster aid staging area in Little Rock Air Force Base, at the Little Rock Air Force Base, the first time Russia has flown such a mission to North America. And those are your headlines for today, Thursday, September the 8th, and you are listening to Fault Lines. I guess everyone's on Queen Watch right now. Yeah. That's all the news. Oh, that's I'm flashing. pretty sure that's that's the headlines the entire day. It will be focused on the Queen. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I mean, do. forget that that Biden just approved another like hundreds of millions of U.S. dollars to go racking up, you know, to Ukraine racking 600 up. Six hundred and what seventy five million <sighs> or so. I I just don't I Where don't get it. Are our reparations, y'all? I'm I'm just. I'm so tired um, of this. How about as a native Californian, which is this this is the topic we're going to talk about with our next guest. Uh my home state probably at least the the county of Los Angeles, probably one of the most if not the most populous county. We're it going is. through through rolling blackouts. Mm-hmm. Uh there are people that will die because Machines will shut off, life-saving machines. People are dying of heat stroke out there. It's been triple digits out there all week. There are wildfires going everywhere. But instead of working on our infrastructure, and yeah, you might argue that this is a state municipality thing. Meanwhile, you have Gavin Newsom saying that our state coffers 
are filled to the brim, so much so we're cutting checks to refund some people and whatever. Okay, then why is our power grid off whack? Why can we not handle the demand? You're telling people to go green, buy Tesla, buy whatever car that you plug into your house. Your house can't handle your swamp cooling AC. Yeah. And Jackson, Mississippi does not have clean water. And Flint technically still doesn't have clean water. Yes, after a decade. Why are we still seeing these problems at home when, meanwhile, you're just sending Sending off our tax dollars across the ocean to Ukraine. And do we have Bubba to maybe, is he, is he on, is he on there yet? Um, yeah, right. we've got, we've got Todd Bubba Horowitz, who's a money man, to come talk to us about, uh, especially, I don't know, the mismanagement of money across this country, uh, specifically in California with this whole electrical grid problem. Uh, California's in a lot of trouble. So we're gonna talk to Todd Bubba Horowitz. He goes by Bubba, folks. Good morning, Bubba. Uh, So we'll be back with him in just a minute. We'll be right back. You are listening to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. Fault Lines. Fault Lines. Welcome back to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. My name is Manila Chan. I'm here with guest co-hosts this week, Malik Abdul and M. Reese Everson. Uh, We're going to bring in our next guest to talk some big money, especially in California. I I believe California is the wealthiest state in the union. We know that if California was its own country, it would be among the top five, maybe top eight wealthiest countries in the world, but yet my home state is now about to face rolling blackouts. People are dying from heat stroke with 105, 111, 118 degrees in the desert, in the high desert, and fires roaring, raging everywhere. But yet Governor Newsom is bragging about a budget surplus and our infrastructure in California is in shambles. So joining us to talk about where all that money is going in the richest state in the nation is Todd Bubba Horowitz. Bubba is the chief market strategist of BubbaTrading.com. Good morning, Bubba. Thank you for joining us. How are you this morning? I'm great. How are you guys? Great to be with you. Thank you. Good morning. So talk to me about what's going on in California. Let me read an excerpt from Politico.com. This was published earlier this spring, 429 of 2022. So California, obviously one of the richest, the richest state in the union. Uh, in, In April, late April, Senate Democrats unveiled their updated budget priorities in anticipation of the upcoming May revise in which they predicted California would have an eye-popping $68 billion in surplus funds, up from the January estimate of $29 billion from the Legislative Analyst Office. Now, those figures don't include Prop 98 education funds. The state's once again overflowing coffers are thanks to California's aggressive income taxes and the high-earning residents who clearly all had a good year despite COVID. Bubba, how is Gavin Newsom going to reconcile telling people on the one hand 
you should go green, go green, buy these Teslas, plug them up to your home. And now he says, wait, don't plug them to your house. Our grid can't keep up with the demand. If I buy a Tesla on Monday, you can't charge it on Tuesday. It's perfect. It's a, listen, it's, it's the way that California runs. You know, and I don't believe that they really have a true surplus. Again, a surplus is, is, is a funny way to state um, uh, information because they're not funding their pensions. They're not, their pensions are almost busted. Uh, they have the, the highest amount of homeless in the world in one particular state. So I'm not so sure that there's a surplus. And of course, they're now using gas generators because they continue to fight oil, but they need the, they, the power grids around the globe, especially on the United States, are not in good shape because we're too busy spending money on being reelected and, and, and charging Americans taxes so that we can line our pockets and not take care of the things that need to be taken care of most, which is the power grid first. If you really, truly believe that we need green energy or there is climate change, which is subject to uh, inspection anyways, then you have to fix your power grid. And our power grid has not been touched for probably 50 years. And this is one of the problems in this country is that every president that has ran, run for president is in my lifetime, which is 65 years, has promised to fix the infrastructure, yet none have done so, which is a problem. And you can relate that back to the, the last big catastrophe, which was Katrina, which could have been partially prevented if they had done their job and fixed the levees, which were supposed to be fixed, but they chose not to. They chose to keep the money. Oh, that's a good point. That's an excellent point of how these states and then even smaller in the local municipalities, how much they have been bereft of fulfilling their job duties, right? I mean, shouldn't Governor Newsom's first duty be to the state of California and the people? And and somehow they managed to keep him in office. He survived that recall election. I don't know how, but, you know, historically, recall elections don't get a whole lot of voter turnout. So he survives the, the recall. But now, a couple months later, do you think these people are maybe they have buyer's remorse now that they're sitting and frying in 118, 120 degree heat with no air conditioning because their house has just hit the rolling blackout time in the middle of the day. They can't water their lawns. They can't take long showers. They can't. There are a lot of things Californians can't do. And this is supposed to be the wealthiest state. Well, there are certain states, you know, I mean, first of all, if you look at the overall grid of states, the highest tax states, California, North Illinois, are the ones that are always broken out of money and never doing what they promised to do. Uh, they're lobbyists and they're, the people are too busy paying themselves and taking the money using their, filling their campaign coffers. I mean, you know, again, this is, there are certain states that vote one way no matter what. You could put a, you could put a monkey in the chair and they're going to vote that way. And that's the, bigger, that's the bigger problem that people don't take the time to really understand the damage that is being done, nor the the opportunity or the attempt to try to create the great rate, the great reset in this country. I mean, they in California they have systematically, just like the rest of the United States, restricted and put small business out of business. So we've restricted competition. It's it's destroying the entire fabric of what the United States of America is, based on what the Constitution was written for. Hey, Bubba, that um, thanks for joining us. This is Malik here. Are you finding, and, 
And just to ask you a question and whether or not there's any parallel, because we can talk a lot about infrastructure, the problems with infrastructure, delayed or deferred maintenance, whatever you want to call it, around the country. And um, we talked about Katrina. I'm from Jackson, Mississippi, and we're dealing with a similar thing um, where our infrastructure, our water infrastructure really is crumbling. But are you finding that this is, you know, is it a, a huge distinction there in California as far as um, state versus local, because I know in Jackson, many of the things, uh, uh, you know, there are many contributors to what happened in Jackson, but there has also been a local mismanagement of funds. I know that the state actually gave Jackson almost $200 million in the past five years, and though that money itself has been mismanaged. And in the recent um, American Rescue Plan, there was a uh, $25 million that the state was giving Jackson, but the mayor and then the governor were fighting because the state wanted to actually um, oversee some of the management of those funds. But are you seeing something similar where, um, you know, are some of the issues in, that's going on in California, is it due to, like, local, or is it just really Newsom and the state just spelling the entire state? I think it's, I think it's a combination of all. I, I think, you know, one of the problems, that you have in this country, and you can start with California, is that the the politicians they have so much power and they can grab so much of that money for themselves. Okay, you know, it's not, they're not like just straight putting it in their pocket, but there's so many funky rules that come to campaigning and how you can use that money. I mean, CalPERS, the California Pension Plan, is underfunded. And if the if the stock market melts down, they're going to be they're going to be out of business, and this is going to hurt everybody. So again, I go back to the original the the pensions. There's not enough management of how the money is supposed to work because there's there's too many funnels on the way down. And if if we would go back to how the Constitution is supposed to work, government is supposed to run from the from city, county, state, and the federal government is an overseer. OK, and unfortunately, the government was not supposed to be nor meant to be the biggest employer in the world. All right. They were meant to be something to help facilitate business and make sure the jobs got done. But of course, now they've turned these into careers. These guys are capturing this capital and have every loophole between the lobbyists and what they do of how to siphon that money into other things that are meaningless. And that's the same thing when you look at any big bill that gets passed. There's a lot of the money that you got allocated that you might have gotten from the state has been allocated somewhere else in through this big five billion page bills that they put together to hide things that they're actually doing. Now, Bubba, you, you're a money man, obviously. You you head up BubbaTrading.com. Um, green energy has been hyped for quite a while as, you know, the, the next big boom. And that's what people should invest in and what have you. Um, Meanwhile, you have someone like Janet Yellen, who is rallying the G7 to put price caps on Russian crude. Okay, and if I was in California recently um, and I was paying $7 a gallon in Orange County, California. Okay, this was this summer. Wow. If, yeah. yeah, $7, okay? You're like you were in an eight. You're like you were in an eight. There's parts of California that were $8 a gallon. I know, <laughs> I know. And yeah. and I hate to imagine what would happen to all of my friends and family out there if and when Janet Yellen and the rest of the G7 fall in line on what price cap they're going to choose 
for this Russian crude and what that's going to do to oil markets. We've heard uh, reports coming out of J.P. Morgan saying it can be as bad as $380 a barrel, but they think it'll realistically settle at about 183 or so. What's that going to do to to gas prices? If we thought last summer, this past summer was terrible, what's that going to do in the winter? Well, listen, I, you know, since the day President Biden was elected, I have said that oil is going to the moon. OK, so this, this is not a surprise. Uh, you know, 183, 360, I can't see that far. I can't see that far into the future. But uh, you're going to have, I, I think, a, a bigger rebellion before we ever get to those types of levels. Uh, first of all, you can't cap anybody, number one. Number two, the United States has the power itself to, to solve this problem today, but they refuse to do so because they're so bent on this green energy and climate change, which I don't, I'm not a believer in climate change. That's me personally, and I'm not saying right or wrong, you should or shouldn't be. But if you are, even if you are a believer, at what cost do you destroy the middle class of America Okay, when you could simply go back to fracking and shale producing, we're still burning the same amount of fuel, if not more. So the carbon footprint is not going to change whether you buy your oil from Saudi Arabia or you buy it or you make it yourself here, and then you become a net exporter, which then helps. Sorry about that, guys. That's the opening bell. Which then helps the UK and Germany, who got shut off. Nor can you hurt Russia with ridiculous sanctions, because they, you have not hurt Russia at all. In fact, Russia has thrived through this whole thing because we refuse to put the, the, the weight of money, which is the whole key of sanctions, on them by not going back to producing our own oil and becoming a net exporter of oil. Would that be pretty much the only thing in Joe Biden's tool belt if he actually wanted to punch Vladimir Putin in the gut is just open up uh, our own pipelines here, open up the Alberta tar sands? A hundred percent. Listen, if we went back to becoming a net exporter, which is where we were two years ago, they would they could then put a lot of pressure on Russia. You know, Russia holds a lot of key cards in this world, right? They hold wheat. 30% between Ukraine and Russia, they control 30% of the world's wheat, which we are going to have a food shortage this year. So if you think you paid a lot for gasoline this year, wait till you pay $10 for a loaf of bread next year, if you can get it, okay? So you've got a shortage of food coming, which is another problem that could be eliminated if we would simply do the simple thing, which is go back to fracking and shell producing until they got this power grid and the structure under control. Because right now you couldn't you couldn't run electronically if you wanted to. Okay, if you were prepared, you couldn't flip the switch to turn on. As you have been mentioning the whole time here is they're having rolling power grid blackouts because they don't have enough energy to continue. And this is one of the biggest problems that we, we, we have in this country is that they do not want to, they really want to destroy the middle class versus actually make things better and go back to prospering. And uh, Bubba, that's a um, you, you you raised a point, of course, you know, social media is social media. But we know that California itself, it's now and you mentioned that it's how it's heavily now relying on natural gas because it doesn't have um, the, 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 the grid. It's mm-hmm. all messed up. And one of the things that, you know, and I don't mean to be flippant about it, but when I was looking online yesterday, there was a, a tweet by a reporter saying, well, the power 
camera just went out here at ABC7. Okay, someone from the Oil and Gas Workers Association re responded to that saying, get somebody to bring you five gallons of wind turbine. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you're, you're, but you're right. I mean, you see, the, the real problem is, is we have the solution. The question is, do we want to use the solution? And when you brainwashed, you know, the younger generation and you brainwashed with by money and by giving things away, which is really not the solution, as we all know, uh, and you've destroyed capitalism and you destroyed the competitive free markets, you're now bringing in much bigger problems. And that's that's what you're watching happen in front of you. You know, the disparity of income and wealth in California, there is no state that it is greater. There is no more wealthy and no more poor homeless than there is in California. Okay, I mean, you know, you you can't walk down the streets in California without seeing, you know, dozens and dozens of homeless people. It's horrid. It's absolutely horrid. Skid Row has expanded. Um, it's everywhere. It's in Hollywood now. California, the whole it's, state is Skid whole, Row. Wherever you go, there's a lot of homeless. I mean. You know, again, the, the wealthy, you know, Nancy Pelosi's got a, a fence around her place and armed guards. Okay, wow. But yet they want to ban guns, too. So, I mean, there's a listen, we can solve these problems. But when you want it, when you destroy the free market system and you refuse to handle the problems with what you can handle them now with, we can't look down into the road and say, well, eventually we're going to get there. Eventually, there won't be a middle class left to benefit from what we're trying to do now because you destroyed the local pharmacy, the local the, the local grocery store. Anybody who is an independent can no longer compete in the business world. They're out of business, okay? And they, they systematically did that, which is, makes it even more sad in this country that you have, you're run by Big Oil, Walmart, Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Twitter. And that's, that's what runs the entire country now. It's kind of a sad story and a sad state of affairs. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I am 100% in agreement that especially, I mean, I know biz, small business owners back home that, you know, when COVID hit and the way Governor Newsom executed these draconian policies, it, it ruined these mom and pop shops. And these businesses are never coming back. Some of these are multi-generational businesses. Um, and, and, you know, to your point of the power grid and stuff, this as much as I love the idea of green energy and, and I, again, I'm, I am a Californian, all my teachers, you know, in the eighties, these are hippie dippy teachers in California, right? Literal, you know, former hippies in the 1960s. So those were my teachers growing up. So I'm, I'm very, very well aware, very well versed in, in my habits and, you know, the, the, what I do, my impact to the environment. And I do what I can as an individual. But when you look at it as a, as a whole, as society, we as a country, and, and boil it down to just California, we don't have the infrastructure in place to make that, to flip the light switch. I mean, since we're talking about electrical grids, we don't have the ability to flip that switch just yet. We're just not there. Even in California, if you own a Tesla, if you have enough money to buy a Tesla, even with Joe Biden's new IRA plan that's going to give you this, you know, $4,000 to $8,000 rebate on buying a green vehicle, the power grids across this country are not ready for you. You cannot travel across the country. You can't 
You can't travel <laughs> greenly, if that's even a word. You can't travel greenly across this country. So let's say you want to take a road trip, cross-country road trip, which, you know, everybody should do once in their life to see this country, see what it really looks like. But you can't really do that green, greenly, because we don't have charging stations for all of these cars. And yet you're going to push this out and then overtax and overburden the civilian population with these outrageous taxes that we have in California, where our tax dollars are not fixing our roads, our tax dollars are not feeding the poor, housing the homeless. We're not doing that. We're not educating our kids in California. You want us to drive cross country? How? We don't have that power grid. I love green energy myself. I love the idea but we're just not ready to implement it. And it would be unrealistic of an expectation for people to, for glib, quite glib for the the nephew of Nancy Pelosi, Gavin Newsom, to tell everybody to get out there, turn their homes, smart homes, get green energy cars. And then, like you said, on Monday, tell us to buy them. And then Tuesday say, oh, you, you can't charge that today. Sorry, it's not your day. Your your license plate doesn't end in a seven. Um, we're doing fives today. Listen, I am a hundred percent agreement with you. They, if they, if they, but the answer is told in in this statement. Do you remember about six months ago or eight months ago, the Colonial Pipeline was hacked into and shut down? Yes. Okay, and of course. It was a big it was a big crisis on the East Coast. And and they went to President Biden and President Biden said, not our problem. It's a private company. And there is always the answer. Not our problem. What is our problem is everybody's problem, whether it's a private company or not. If you don't fix what you have, obviously, the things can be hacked into. And you don't think they can hack into our power grid as the way it sits either. Okay, so, again, this is. The problem, the build, the rebuilding of, the, of this country, the infrastructure, which would not only employ people, it would actually go to work, okay, instead of sitting home eating bonbons on their couch watching TV, they'd actually go out and get a job. We could actually rebuild America and rebuild the infrastructure and the power grid and be prepared to go there if you're a believer, okay? But if you if you believe in other things, like if you believe in the, the planet of Mars, Okay, we talk about carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide. Well, Mars has 55% more carbon dioxide on Mars than there is on, on, on Earth, okay? Mars' temperature range from day to day is plus 75 degrees to minus 150 every day, okay? So I don't know about climate change, but based on what I've heard and learned here, it doesn't sound like the carbon dioxide is a problem and that we really are going through global warming other than we just go through these 80,000 year cycles of going you know, colder, warmer, and so on. And we're just in another cycle that's been going on. If you look at the Vostok Index, you'll see that this has been cyclical since the Earth began. Yeah, Bubba, you, you, uh, to hone in on what you said and, and what uh, Manila focused on, we're talking about how you know, we really can't operate as it is because we don't really have the infrastructure um, I, I was looking on Fox Business the other day, and on Monday, uh, that about 48% of the electricity was provided through the natural gas. I'm sorry, 47% um, through natural gas. By the very next day, over half of the state's electricity was being produced or was being fueled through the nat- by through natural gas. So the notion that somehow we have any of the infrastructure to support this, and I think it's, well, I don't think, 
I'm pretty sure it's how everything works in Washington. Lobbying. The lobby in industry, the, the, the renewable, clean industry, the green industry, they're all behind it. We're seeing here in Washington, D.C., where all of us are, where our mayor, she's actually going to be banning um, fossil fuels and all, in, in the new buildings. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, you know, and the question that many of us ask, ask here, especially in a place like Washington, D.C., well, what, where, what wind turbines are you going to place anywhere near Washington, D.C.? So how does this work? But they have a clean, renewable energy plan, but it well, does— where does D.C. get its power? I don't even know. I know about Virginia, which would shock They're going to give you a paper fan so you can fan <laughs> yourself. Like, go back I mean, 300 years, okay? But you Bubba— know, Again, yes— you know, if you we if we look across the pond, I'm wondering if we're if we're able to see the forecast. I know a lot of European countries said that they're in line for coal and cutting down trees for the cold <laughs> winter that's yeah, ahead. Yeah, we're, we're we're burning a record amount of coal right now, even though we ceremoniously shut down the coal industry. And again, I'm not a fan of burning coal. Okay, I'm not looking for more pollution, but. You have right now record amounts of countries, but what everybody seems to forget, okay, 40% of the world is represented by two countries, China and India. That's 40% of the world. They are never going to stop burning coal until you find them a cheaper source to burn, okay, because they can't afford to burn anything else. So unless United States and other countries are going to put a bubble or a dome over their, their countries, so that they don't get subjected to the, the pollution from China and India, I guess it's not going to really help no matter what they do. So again, I think we've attacked this problem backwards. And I think that if we would let the, get rid of the lobbyists and let this really go to work and get these, these politicians who really are just there to raise money, okay, and actually we would put them on real term limits instead of letting them make careers out of a, a, a political system, we might actually get something done. But until then, I don't, I'm not very hopeful that things are going to improve on any of these accounts we're talking about right now. Bubba, do you have any predictions about the markets like in Europe? The ECB during this broadcast has just announced that they're going up, they're raising rates 75 basis points. Um, I, what, what's the market going to look like for the Europeans as their, their, their petrol uh, costs go way up? Their energy is already like, for example, England, people are paying like small businesses are paying like 9,000 pounds for their their energy bills. That is they're, they're, nuts. Already, they're, they're, they're five to eight times more expensive than we are here already. OK, but that that's what that's what the lack of competition and socialism does for you. OK, that's what the, the central banking system does for you, you know, by raising rates into a recession. Okay, which has never been done before, but it is being done now here as well. I mean, the markets are in a lot of trouble, uh, in my opinion, right now. Okay, I, I, you know, again, I believe over over the long haul they'll be fine, but in the next year, I think we could see a forty to fifty percent haircut in equity prices. Okay, and then you'll see that 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 California really wasn't over over budget and under budget had surplus that they're because they didn't do what they're supposed to by financing CalPERS and all the other pension plans out there. Uh, but this is going to be, uh, this is going to be very ugly. And it, we're only unfortunately at the infancy of ugliness because again, we have not realized yet other than in some, some small areas of the breadbasket, the food shortage, which is again, 
You know, remember Marie Antoinette said, "Let them eat cake," and that's how she got behead, why she got beheaded. That was because there was a lack of bread, and that's what we're going to see. And we're already seeing riots in certain parts of the world now. Oh yeah, we're seeing a lot of rioting happening across Europe. Big cities like Prague and Brussels, they are they are not happy. And I, you know, with the the prediction that you just gave us, the forecasting here, I wonder if Americans will will do the same. So I mean, I don't know. We've already seen outrageous prices and. And nothing has changed. They're going up. You know, listen, last thing I'll tell you, remember, we have 80% of everything you do involves fossil fuels, whether it's the making of a pl- the plastic for bottled water or it's the delivery of the goods to get to the store. We have a broken supply chain. And since you're from California, Albertsons, I go, I live in Vegas part time and I go to Albertsons all the time. The store, the shelves are empty. Wow. Okay? That's one of the biggest grocery chains in the country. The shelves are empty already, okay? And I actually asked them what was going on. They said, we can't get goods. So until we fix, the, the first problem that's got to be fixed is the oil problem. And we have to go back to doing our own fracking and shell producing until we fix the solution and move forward. But when you have politicians like Gavin Newsom and the other jackass, excuse me, around the world that are more interested in lining their own pockets than they are about taking care of the citizens that live there, you're going to have the, these problems are going to continue to exist. I can get with that final statement. Uh, my friend Todd Bubba Horowitz, he is the chief marketing strat- market strategist of BubbaTrading.com. Always appreciate your insight. I know you followed that money. Thank you so much, Bubba. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Have a great day, and thanks for having me on. You too. Thank you. All right, time for a quick break, and then we will come back. Get your fingers ready. We'll be taking your calls after this break. Call us at 202-521-1320, 202-521-1320. We'll be back on Fault Lines in just a minute. Fault Lines. Fault Lines. Welcome back to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. I am Manila Chan, joined with guest co-hosts this week, Malik Abdul and Reese Everson. We are taking your calls, 202-521-1320. Our first caller of this hour, our buddy Robbie in Montana. Hello, Robbie. Hey, Robbie. Howdy, y'all. Malik. Robbie. Just to let y'all know, I've really enjoyed having y'all on. Keep it up. Y'all doing a great job. Thank you. I'm going to... I'm going to try and unpack a complex thought in 60 seconds or less of the Southern draw. So wish me luck. Uh, so I, so I read a lot and I propose to you that the Russians, they are trying to drag this thing on in Europe as long as they can, because they understand they know the economic pain has caused it. Here's the complex thought of that. At the end of the third Punic war, when the Romans took over Carthage, they imported a massive slave population. It destroyed the Roman middle class. That caused massive economic problems, which led to political instability and the collapse of the Roman Republic. Because once you had landowners, once you killed the middle class, a republic cannot work. By opening the borders and having this massive wave of immigration from the third world, we've effectively, in the West, hollowed out the middle class. The Russians see this. They see the social discord that it's causing. They're seeing the economic collapse that it's causing. And so I think that they're, uh, they're sitting back and they're waiting. Joe Biden said he wanted to make Ukraine into 
a second Afghanistan for the Russians, I submit to you the exact opposite is true. The Roman, the, the Russians are counting on the West making the same mistake that the Romans did and just waiting for the entire thing to collapse under its own weight. I can see where that makes a lot of sense, um, especially because we've already seen how the sanctions have backfired. Now Janet Yellen's proposing these these crude oil price caps for these the G7 nations, which is basically, I, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's all the white European big, big uh, economies plus Japan. So that's basically what it is. And we know that's probably going to backfire, too. I mean, you look at what the sanctions have done. It has put the world on edge of food crises all over. I mean, we already have food crises in places like Yemen. There are humanitarian crises, obviously, all over happening in Afghanistan. And these sanctions have proven to do nothing but more harm than good for their own people. So I can see that. Well, I think I think it goes beyond the sanctions. Like, for example, you know, people say, "Well, why can't you have a living wage for for the American people?" Which is something I think everyone needs to have. Everyone needs to have the ability to pay their bills. Well, the more people that you have, the more of a resource that you have, the less the less expensive it is. That's the same whether it's, whether it's sand at the beach or or people, for that matter. If you're able to, if you're able to export to unskilled labor, to people who are willing to work two or three dollars an hour. Then why would you pay an American worker fifteen dollars an hour to do the exact same job? It's, it's lunacy. It's idiot. It's idiotic, and that's why you, that's why we built a refinery in this country in thirty years. That's why in California they have a rolling blackouts. I mean, follow the money. That's what it is. It is it's self-serving politicians who detest their own population and their own citizens, and they don't care what the repercussions are going to be because of their ego. Here, here. I think we can all agree on that one. Robbie, see, I think the, the listeners get confused sometimes because they would think you're a, a deplorable, as Hillary Clinton would say. But then that last statement, I don't know, that sounds almost very progressive. Well, I mean, I think for myself, I, I, I refuse to be put into a box. I am a deplorable. I'm one of the, one of the original ones. <laughs> I supported candidate Trump, but I, 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 dis, I detest President Trump. Exactly ah. what he ran on. If he had done what he said he was going to do, be a disruptor, not sell out, not appoint the, the likes of John Bolton and all these other people in the high office, if he would have actually governed the way that he ran, he would be he would be president right now. He's not. He's just another just milk toast Republican. Milk toast. Of his charisma. I love it. Well, that's that's pretty fair. That's that's pretty fair. He he didn't exactly do for better or worse. He didn't really do the things that he said that he was going to do on the campaign trail. But like, you know, to Robbie's point, that just makes him like every other politician yeah. who stumps on one thing or, you know, a list of things. And then they get into to the office. I always office. say he's as establishment as everybody else. It, I actually well, say that. Well, the swamp will will do that to you. Let me tell you, once you get in here, I think it, he was a little in over his head. And he got in here and saw how it was really done. Now, the big question is, if he was a lame duck president, if or let's say coming up, when he becomes a lame duck president, what then? Because hell hath no fury, 
right? Like this is a man scorned. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see if Robbie supports him again. Uh, we'll check back in with our buddy Robbie in Montana. Thank you for that call, Robbie. Uh, let's head over to our other buddy, Brave ATL, the artist. Brave. Brave. Hey, Prophet Brave. Hey, good morning, y'all. Hey, Reese, you that tag is fire. You got bars, though. <laughs> the Vs of Legalese. Yeah, that's fire, man. Thank you. I, I uh, listened to you guys this morning, the conversation uh, over uh, the Mar-a-Lago raid and everything like that. Um, you, you know, if, if the reason why it looks political is because it is, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we, can try, we can try and be objective as, as we can, but it, it is what it is, and it's, and it's clear. Like, from what I understand, the same people that, the same um, FBI agents that oversaw the um, the whole uh, Trump investigation into the you know the Trump collusion stuff have ties to it as well. I mean, there, there's no way that there's no other way for me to look at it at, at any rate. Um, and, and then the because this is supposed to be the, the U.S. right, and the idea is that you know you're you're innocent until proven guilty, and everyone keeps saying, well, if he's guilty, if he's guilty, or he's guilty, he's guilty, or he totally he definitely did it. But and not to take up for the guy, but I'm just saying, like. He's, he's, he's supposed to get a day in court, and then they prove that he's guilty, right? And all the things that have been leaking out, it's really bullcrap. Like, we, we know it's bullcrap. Like, come on, man. N- none of that stuff makes sense. And this is not the most technical uh, point that I'm making, but it's just a realistic point. Like, it's bullcrap. Like, it's just another distraction because they're so terrified of this dude. So I wonder if – I don't I don't think they'll indict him, but I really do wonder what it would look like if he did get back in office. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think he's going to run again. I hope not. But um, I, I just I I I, I I'm, I'm concerned with the amount of attention that people give it, or better yet, the um, the amount of credibility that people lead to, even when doubting it. Because I was listening to that political mistress yesterday, and Daniel Lazar was on, and he was saying it was bullcrap. But at the same time, he's like, "But he's guilty. He's guilty. How is he guilty without having?" Well, there's no charges. Right, right. There's, there's nothing to charge him on. Like you know, so you got presidents who have committed war crimes and nothing but Absolutely. documents. Come on, come on. Other, uh, the other thing I want to point out real quick is that, um, uh, if, I don't know if you guys remember, but um, but uh, Bill married into uh, Hillary's family for the money because Bill wasn't no, he, he wasn't no rich guy. He married <laughs> into, the, uh, into Hillary's um, family for the money. And, the, and uh, she was definitely going, she was definitely going where she was going regardless. Really? I didn't know she was from a well-to-do family. Well, middle class. Her dad was a business owner. But Brave, I just wanted to, our Rumble Room wanted wanted uh, to announce something. So just to cut in, you're talking about something Trump-adjacent on Sputnik <laughs> International. It's breaking that Steve Bannon surrenders to New York authorities to face fraud charges. Fraud? That dude's a clown. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. I know it has something to do with campaigning or donations yeah. or something, but you know, just the build like, the wall, something um, and he's like embezzling a million or so dollars or well, something. Well, I mean, like just like we've seen guys with uh, that's what he gets. What's his name? Paul Manafort and mm-hmm. what have you. They're, they're going to get you for something, right? Like tax evasion or something. I mean, I mean, they took in Wesley Snipes for tax yeah, evasion. They, they want to get you. They just they're they're going to get you. They're going to get you. So what does it mean when the swamp rejects you? I mean, I, I know the last caller was like, oh, he's a part of the swamp. But if the swamp rejects you, what kind of gator are you? I, I just <laughs> that's just weird. And and I'm sorry, Brave. I believe in you as a prophet, but I don't think Hillary. I can't say where she was going. Maybe she would have attached herself to another man. 
Oh, his I think she needed Bill. She needed but his she charisma. She needed Bill. She did not have it on her own. I disagree with Reese on that one, Brave. I think that Hillary Clinton can stand on her own two feet without a man. And I think she would have been just fine. She wouldn't have been first lady, no, of I'm course. No, I'm just saying that man. Not, that, she not any old somebody. man. That man. She's, She's a Scorpio, as, as I've just recently learned, October 26th. She's a Scorpio. She would have found somebody. Yeah, thank you for that, Brave. Yeah, I, I'm not, this is no disrespect to whatever Hillary's personal accomplishments and 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 I know I mean someone going to law school right that's not an easy feat and I'll give hats off to anybody that can complete law school pass the bar and all that but I I didn't know that she came from a well-to-do family but I do know Bill came up from nothing right um to become you know this evil head of state <laughs> she was middle it wasn't well it was middle class so she oh. came she came there in much different situation than bill clinton who right. did not grow up anywhere close to being middle class right. but from what Hillary he described clinton he did. was podunk as he has said yeah bill grew up black poor right well people He's from arkansas people did call him the first and black the black president. community called him the first black president yeah that yep they absurd. sure they sure did they that's absurd <laughs> mm-hmm. but, not me but they sure did sometimes all it takes is a jazz saxophone yeah i guess so he put on some ray-bans and played that sax and oh boy the whole country the world was won over meanwhile he's dropping bombs in yugoslavia he's trying to uh, ratchet up tensions with then a fallen soviet union and he couldn't be gracious about it. And, and I mean, Bill Bill had the opportunity to actually make amends with then Prime Minister uh, Putin. And he laughed him off when Vladimir Putin asked him in the 90s, like, hey, can we join NATO? Bill was like, I'm going to talk to these guys over here. So, yeah, he did a Barack Obama. Very not cool. And so now here we are. Anyway, we've come to the end of the final hour of Fault Lines. Uh, We appreciate you all staying with us all three hours. I want to thank our engineer, our two producers, all you rumblers out there, everybody listening all over, anywhere you can catch us on the radio. I am Manila Chan, along with Malik Abdul and Reese Everson. We thank you for sitting with us here on Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. We'll be back again tomorrow morning. Have a good Thursday. Fault Lines.